Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So something amazing just happened a little bit before the show, and uh, that was that uh, I was telling Wendy how I was doing, and she she actually prayed for me. And I don't know how I don't well I do know how actually this, this is God at work right, but uh, my voice came back, and it was sounding pretty awful. I didn't really want to talk, and nothing nothing seemed to be happening. But uh, all of a sudden, there I am. There there we are, and, and everything is is great. So uh, it's it's pretty amazing. That still sounds kind of funny here. Uh, on my thing, so I hope I'm broadcasting. I'll find out in a minute if I'm not, because Bill's going to. So Bill can tell me if I'm broadcasting. It's one of those, another one of those weird days. Um, but also that uh, this may be our last show on Block Talk, and so if it goes well, I'm rumble tomorrow. I'm just going to move right over, and I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel like oh, we have to do a big reminiscing. We have to no. It's been fun. The problem, of course, is going to be preserving all the shows. <laughs> That's going to be a whole, a whole different thing. So let me get to Bill's thing. Seems he's right here, and he can tell me because it sounds weird. Uh, maybe because I have a cold, maybe because only one side of my headset's working, but we'll find out if I'm actually broadcasting, which would be a good thing to know. Lontite Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Radio Land. I am the first. I'll be the last. Wherever <laughs> you go, I'll be with you. Good oh morning. Do we have to date I now. Cannot... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I, I will. So humor's let, 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 <laughs> let, Let's start off the program right. I need okay. the great hypothesis on the Pope's purging of the Catholic Church. Well, I think just the fact that he is the Pope is kind of purging the Catholic Church of everything Catholic. Um, I'm, not as well versed, I'm not as well versed in this particular issue. Uh, I have some very strong Catholic friends who would be a lot better at it because I don't, I don't really follow the Catholic Church. We should put that question over to Wendy uh, when she comes on the next half hour, but uh, the Catholic Church is not what the Catholic Church used to be. And for those to vote, we should get Steve Ben on the show. He'll tell us all about it. But uh, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't understand the Catholic Church, but then you know, it seemed like they were doing well with Vatican II, you know, getting away from the Latin, because why would you hold the church service that nobody can understand? That seems to be a little bit of a, of a, of a conflict in getting the message across. But they did for, you know, hundreds of years. Uh, but so ever since Vatican II, it's been good, because you, you actually understand it. Uh, but then they kind of got crazy with, uh, you know, those, those horrible scandals with uh, the young boys and some of the other things the Catholic Church did. Um, but uh, overall, you know, a, a lot of people are really happy being Catholic. They're just not happy with the Pope. Josie would have an opinion on that, too. What do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, so this pope is definitely, say, a little bit further left than moderate left. Hmm. Um, yeah, and, and you know, he's try- he's really trying to make some big changes that really are not necessary. Um, like what? He's doing the what one. Do you want to do? Well, I mean, he he's trying to be more open towards gay rights, uh, divorces, um, stuff that has been traditionally. Um, you know, stance, you know, going against stances that have been traditional Catholic stances for a very long time. Um, you know, well, and it's really the Pope, put a, 
<laughs> Shouldn't the Pope be the most traditional of all Catholics <laughs> when you think about it? In, in theory, he's supposed to be, and that's where okay. the big conflict is right now. Hmm. Um, it's the same thing that's happening inside the Methodist Church. Uh, the Methodist Church is getting ready to be split in half. Um, half of the church really? is going to go in the way of homosexuals, a lot of the pastors, and then the other half is saying, no, that's not what the Bible says. So, well, you know, isn't there supposed to be a separation of church and state, which means church and, and politics? Shouldn't woke not even be in the church? Isn't the church supposed to maintain the standard to go by the scripture and the word of God to be a consistent in a world of, of change? It's like they're becoming just, excuse me, I'm going to be coughing a lot today. They're going to be, they're going to be just, they're just as bad as everybody else. I mean, we count on the churches to hold that standard. I mean, that's their job. That's, Correct. that's, why, that's why we have churches. So if the church is going to wimp out, you know, the real separation of church and state, people thought, oh, the government's invading, you know, the, you know, the, the, the church. Well, I forgot what their, their big part was, the Ten Commandments on the walls and things like that. But the real separation of church and state where you really need it is the church should not be bowing to politics. That's the separation we need because the state is woke. And the state is trying to enforce that wokeness on uh, both the, the private sector, the corporations, and the churches. So this is the time where you actually do need a separation of church and state. Get the state the hell out of the churches. Well, it's, it's more to do with – I mean, really what it really comes down to is money and attendance. Um, over the course of the last couple decades, church attendance mm-hmm. is way down. Uh, mm-hmm. Churches don't have the money coming in that they once had come in. Uh, so they're just trying to figure out ways to bring people back in. Um, and this is about the most idiotic way that you could possibly do it is by changing the rules because the rules don't change. The book is very specific. And that's the way life is. Um, but no, you know, question you, but it. You gotta, I mean, uh, Wendy says yeah. reason. You know, God says come reason. I reason with God all the time. You know, but uh, it doesn't mean I don't believe. <laughs> Reasoning is a good thing, and so you, it's not an absolute. But the, but there are standards, there are rules. There, you know, I think especially in terms of gay rights, I think the, the scripture is pretty clear on that. And it doesn't mean that it uh, is. just because something's not condoned. Um, doesn't mean it's not uh, that you do anything about it in terms of persecution, prosecution. <laughs> penalty or, or injury or death. It's just not condoned. Just, that's not the way to live. And so, but since I have a Correct. lot of friends that do live that way, I'm not going to condemn them for what they do, but I don't have to condone it either. I mean, so that's Correct. the difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you got, so you got this Pope now who's getting rid of all the people uh, that are speaking out against him is what is happening at this moment. Oh, a purge. A purge. That's what I said. The Pope's yeah. purge. Okay, so all right, you beat me too. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm out of it today. I'm trying my best. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so we got that going on, and then we also huh. got the Koch brothers endorsing Nikki Haley. Um, oh, let's talk this about is that. kind of yeah. This has <laughs> kind of come as a surprise. Uh, mm, I no, really, not. I well, I really felt that they would back DeSantis, uh, and I kind of felt that all along. And so for them to come out with Nikki Haley. I guess they're just going with the uh, the next in line, uh, yeah, so to speak. It's, it's because... the goober du jour. I call it the goober. I just yeah. that up just now. The goober du jour. So for those that don't know, the goobers are all the candidates that the Republican Party wants us to vote for and nobody else. And so the reason that uh, I'm so against parties is that they pick the candidates that they think we should vote for and, and to the exclusion of everybody else. That's why they're trying to exclude Donald Trump. They don't want us voting for Donald Trump. He's not an approved member of, of the goobers or, or the Democrats. And so uh, they, the, the whole, the, these whole debates are about putting forward the goobers and saying, this is your choice. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, you know, Tim Scott, who bowed out, and, and other people. 
but this, they're saying these are your candidates. Nobody else, you know, matters. Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. But the biggest part about this, which is so significant, is that people are starting to realize that. So we don't want to, we don't want Nikki Haley. We don't want a goober. We don't want Donald Trump. But the establishment doesn't. They don't get it yet. They still don't get it. They're such idiots. What do you think? No, I think I think that they do get it. The problem is, is that they're still trying to enforce their will, regardless, in oh, okay. hopes. It, yeah, just in hopes of something else happening. Um, and I think that's really what it comes down to, is you know, because mm-hmm. they can't control Donald Trump, um, and so they shouldn't they be able to control the. Yeah, they never but, be able to control Donald want, Trump. That's how we like him. But they. Yeah, well, that's why everyone does like him, um, hmm. and that's why a lot of people don't like him is because he can't be controlled. Um, you know, and it's that love-hate thing. You know, we well, love him because the, the, he can't the need be to control him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but look at you. Look at Nikki Haley. Nikki, and I've heard her described as like the ultimate neocon. She's for every war, everywhere, every budget item. You know, she'd be terrible for this country. I mean, what does she stand for? Why would anybody think that anybody would want to vote for Nikki Haley? In the same way that Ron DeSantis has no national really good issues. He's a great governor. Nikki Haley was apparently a pretty good governor of South Carolina. But in terms of president, nobody wants them. The, the, we don't want the goobers. You know, we want a real president. No, and, president and, is a different office. I don't think they, they don't see it. Now, and Nikki Haley, she, uh, she mm-hmm. has, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, well, about four or five years ago, I was kind of, actually, well, I should go back further. I guess it's seven years ago I did like her. Uh, she be, hmm. she went to the UN and showed her true colors, and then you know, and that's when I turned my back on her. Um, but the one, yeah, but the one thing that we, um, you know, she is very dangerous in is how she wants to take over social media, and this, yeah. this is that's a very that. this is very scary. You know, no, and, I've got an article you know, on that. At first, special, I thought, uh, special investigative reports page. We've got it. We've got an article covering exactly that. But go ahead and tell people because it's it's it's, uh, it's yeah. So uh, yeah, it is. You know, at first I thought it was just a clickbait type of article, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of dismissed it the first couple days that mm-hmm. it came out, and then they kept repeating. And I'm like, well, let me read into this more. So through the research, yeah, they basically want the government to go in there and mm-hmm. control all of social media. And why would they and want she that? she wants to be the leader of that. And yeah. that is and why would they want that? So incre- yeah, that is so incredibly dangerous. Oh, it is. But why would they want that? Because they control the narrative. Whoever controls social media controls the narrative. We saw that in, and they want the to control that. election. So let's go back to our first point, that they need to do that so that people only consider voting for the candidates that the GOP and the Democrats put forward. Correct. So this is, the whole, this is, this is where this, it all comes full circle. So there are two kinds of candidates, those that do need donors and those that don't. Those that do need donors, uh, I don't want because they do what the donors want. And what the donors want is not what the country needs. And so if you separate all the donor candidates, Chris Christie, uh, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, all those people, Vivek, Obama Swampy, Mm -hmm. someone someone after him, Hogan Gidley, I think, went after him recently. But the thing is they all will do what the donors tell them to do. Well, that means they can't represent the country. They can only represent Correct. the donors. And that's the same thing with people that run from their party. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm going to have to hit the mute button a lot today. If they're really dependent <laughs> on their party, yeah, I'm sorry. If they're really, oh, I feel better now. If they're really dependent on their party, they can't represent their constituents either, which is another reason to get parties out of, uh, out of Congress. But uh, what, do you, what do you think about that in terms of, uh, you know, just the, the, a donor candidate versus a non-donor candidate? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right, and we've seen that with uh, Ross Perot. We've seen it with 
uh, Donald Trump are about the only two candidates that mm-hmm. uh, come to mind. Oh, I guess uh, Bloomberg is another uh, guy who's run for office who didn't. Yeah, he's a leftist, though. Didn't t- yeah, exactly. But, I mean, they had their own money and they could have funded their own campaign uh, with mm-hmm. or without donors. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really isn't – there's only been a handful of those type of people out there. Um, and those are the people that, you know, you know, that are most hated inside the media. Why are they most hated? Well, because, you know, they don't owe anybody anything. And they cannot be controlled. They're going to do mm-hmm. what they feel is best. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know – and and that's what you have. And then, like you said, I mean, when you have donors who are, con- you know, threatening to pull money if you do not do what, exactly what they say, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to do exactly what they say if you're that power hungry. Yeah, exactly. So in other words, you can't have someone that just wants the job for the sake of the power. So now the question is, how do we create a system that allows people who don't have the money but are really good people to get access to, uh, to being on the ballot and get national prominence? That's the hard question. You, well, you don't. I mean, and that's the end of the story. Don't um, so no, I, this is Action Radio. We, well, we don't I, well, okay, so, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you have to have money to reach people. I ran mm-hmm. for office twice. That mm-hmm. is the case. Whether it be mailers, whether it's getting door knockers, you know, people that knock on doors, uh, handouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't walk around and say, hey, I'm running for president. Vote for me. People – you know, they're, they're not, first of all, they're not going to remember who you are. Second of all, they're probably not going to take you very seriously. If you have 500 people running for president, you're not going to remember all the names, what they stand for. Yeah. Um, so you no, do know. need money to stand out. But if you do take the donor aspect out of it, you mm-hmm. could possibly have more business people, more um, – I mean, really, we would become an elite society at that point, though. Um, people who are self-made, who are, who have money and that could run for office. Um, those are the people that would run for office. Uh, you would not be able to get any great stories of people coming from nothing and, and being able to rise to prominence. Um, and then you'd also no, that's have, uh, yeah, well, I mean, well, the other thing though, yeah, but Mm -hmm. the other thing is the only other way that you possibly could do that is you'd have to have a career politician. Um, because that's the only other way that they're going to be able to make their name on the national spotlight is they start off at a city council, they move to a state legislator, uh, they end up in Congress or Senate, uh, they make a name for themselves there, um, and then they're able to run for president based on that. But then you're talking about career politicians. Yeah, I think there's another way, too. I think events will determine things um, in many ways. Uh, I said, remember Riley Gaines, the, the woman, the yep. woman that has been battling uh, – Michael Thomas all these years, saying he's a dude. I'm, not, I'm swimming against a dude. I think she actually tied him in one race, which is pretty good. She's on the media all the time. I said six months ago, she's running for Congress. Really? No, no, she's not going to run. yeah, she is. She's, you wait. <laughs> She'll be running for Congress soon. Well, um, I mean, we've, so seen, we've seen where, that where a million events, times. Though. What's that? Yeah, but you know, we're, we've, we've seen that a million times um, mm-hmm. where someone who gets, you know, Joe the Plumber is another great example of it. Mm. Um you know, he ran for Congress also, got blown out of the water. Why did he get blown out of the water? Because he was just known for one thing, and that was, you know, getting an argument with Joe Biden. Or, oh, I mean, not Biden. Was it Biden or Obama? No, was, I think it was Obama uh, who said, oh, uh, Obama. you know, okay. spread the wealth around. And he said, I don't want to spread the wealth around. I earned it. <laughs> was like, you spread your wealth around. Uh, I forgot exactly what he said, but I know that. But uh, that is the problem, because yeah. once you get the prominence, then you still have to have the substance to go with it. 
But what yeah, I want to do, have to well, but you have, and how do you, how do you maintain that? You know, because mm-hmm. that, that was Joe the plumber's peak right there. Okay. He peaked at that moment. Um, yeah, and he tried to fame. seize it. Yeah. yeah. He got his 15 minutes of fame, but uh, minute 16 when the money, mm-hmm. when there's no money, you know, mm-hmm. he lost the race. Yeah. No, I understand that. But at least he got the opportunity yeah. to run. I mean, so that, so that's the good part. You're not guaranteed results. But I'm just, uh, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to mute myself again here for a second. I got, I got a poll idea for you. So if, if we took a national poll, see, I want to get more people involved in politics who are not politicians. So if we took a national poll and, and we said to, to people, you know, pick 1,000 people, which is usually a representative sample, who, which non-politician would you want for president? Somebody who's not you know, in the office and not in politics right now. Of course, before that, people might have said Donald Trump. But uh, assuming, you know, for the, net, for the 2028 election, who do you want that's not a politician that's, that would, be, would make a fabulous president? And I think it's an interesting question. Who would people select? You know, and it could be somebody in politics, but someone who's not running or whatever. But uh, it could be, God forbid, an actor. <laughs> you know, but because uh, people don't think about it because they only think about who the party offers to them. And I want to get more people out there in front of the public to actually run, you know, for, for these different offices that are not career politicians. You know, because I don't think term limits is going to work if we keep the present system because you're still going to have corrupt politicians followed by other corrupt politicians because the parties are still going to control the elections. We want to take the control out of the parties and take the candidate selection out of the parties and give it to, I mean, there might be somebody who does something wonderful that you've never heard of. That, you know what? They'd be a pretty good president. Um, who's that guy that's, uh, that does, um, is it Overstock? That's one guy. Um, there's someone else uh, who's like 94. Well, the Home Depot guy, the, the CEO Depot. of Home Depot, I would love. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that much about him, but isn't he like 94? Well, yeah, he is a little bit up there in age, but he is, uh, you know, he's definitely a, um, a, I wouldn't say right-wing conservative, but he is definitely uh-huh. a conservative. Um, he's throwing his money behind Donald Trump, um, which, you know, right-wing conservative and Donald Trump, I, I still don't understand that uh, connection. No, but, Trump's not that right wing. Uh, he's not. That's what I'm saying. He's not right wing. He, oh. Donald Trump's a, mod, a moderate at best. Yeah. I mean, he really yeah. is. I mean, he, he, yeah. he's more fiscal conservative. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the one thing that um, as we, let's get on the subject of Donald Trump here for a second, and sure. I'm probably going to get uh, blasted because of it. But I think it's it's time to question his social issues. Um, because that's one thing that really is not brought up very often when talking about Donald Trump, and he's been able to dodge the abortion question. Mm. Um, and every time, you know, and he blasted Nikki Haley um, and Ron DeSantis for a very aggressive approach to abortions, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I found kind of interesting um and there's been many reports saying that you know donald trump supports abortions um and i think that there may be a little no, bit of truth to that no no well, i've seen him speaking there's... at the the pro-life rallies no he's he's dead set against abortion then why is he not standing up for these uh laws why is he blasting uh ron DeSantis for our eight-week uh heartbeat bill um, i don't and know. that's a good question i'm not yeah. sure yeah. yeah it, it, well, so, I mean, it, here's the thing, too. Yeah. You can you can feel very strongly about an issue uh, and not want uh, a particular bill. And people this is how this is how the, the legislators get trapped into voting for things. You know, the Affordable Care Act. Well, who's against Affordable Care? Well, nobody. But the Affordable Care Act doesn't do that. 
So, or there's, there's like right. one thing in the bill. It's like a defense bill with some really good stuff in it, but yet it, it pays for abortions for, you know, service people all around the world. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's ways that the legislature, and they, they know how to do this. It's been going on for, for uh, you know, since Congress began. But they sort of railroad these people into, into voting for things uh, based on the title or based on the subject. Because if you're pro-abortion, you know, if you're, if you're, excuse me, if you're pro-life, then any bill that has abortion in it and limiting it in any way, you have to vote for it. But the bill itself might totally suck because there might be some bad language or something else on there. So you can't fall into that trap. Just because it's an abortion, anti-abortion bill doesn't mean that it's a good anti-abortion bill. Correct. And, and, yeah, like you said, we, we see that all the time where they try to slide in a trillion dollars for Ukraine on a bill that will save babies you know, from cancer or something like that. Yeah, you know, we, we see that all the time. And if yeah. you vote against it, all of a sudden you hate babies. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a trap. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like if uh, if you vote for if you don't vote for a continuing resolution, you're trying to tell the government. No, we're actually trying to get a decent budget. You know, but but the message you have to be better messengers. You're, the the GOP are terrible messengers. They never state the yes, case. They, they don't educate the American people. You know, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I got Pianca in the line. I bring him on. But uh, I want to ask you about Rumble. What do you think is going to happen? Because you're the yeah. one who started me on the blog talk thing, and thank you for that. Because it's really been an interesting five years. We've got a huge amount of shows, which I have to yeah, copy and, uh, individually. Yeah. So <laughs> so we are uh, we are one month short of our five year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Actually, today is the 24th, isn't it? No, it's, no, uh, it's the uh, no, no, it's December 24th. It was Christmas Eve we started. 2018 yeah, no, Christmas I, Eve. Well, I was thinking, you know, I, I was thinking it, uh, it was exactly one month, but it's a little less than a month. We're we're about three weeks, about three and a half weeks away from uh, our fifth anniversary. Yeah, yeah, for our fifth yeah. anniversary. Uh, mm-hmm. I would really love to say let's get ready to rumble, but we can't because it's copyrighted. It has been Michael used. Buffer. Yeah, exactly. No, but we can say Action Radio. Action Radio is ready to rumble. It depends. I guess it would depend on how. Uh, I think that when you're talking copyrights like that, I think that there, um, stuff like that is close enough. It's an infringement. It. Yeah, infringement. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, I think hmm. it's going to be a great new adventure. It's going to open up a lot more doors. Um, rumble, you know, um, it, it is proven that. I am a dinosaur, and even though I still like the old talk radio, um, mm-hmm. video, you know, podcasts are the are the big thing right now. People would rather yeah. listen than read, um, you know, and no or one watch. and then no one wants yeah mm-hmm. and watch. So, so watch a video and just listen to the sound rather than just listen to an audio. It's kind of weird, but they want that visual. It's like okay, Pete, yeah, it is. It, it, you're right. It, it exactly is. And you know, Rush did that years ago. Uh, Bubba mm-hmm. the Love Sponge was, I think, the first one to really do that uh, oh. back in the '90s. Uh, his mm-hmm. morning show uh, used to be on TV, and I'm like, why does anyone want to watch some guy sit there and, and do a radio show? It, it never, you know, especially because on radio you don't dress up like you do for. Uh, a oh, TV man, news broadcast. <laughs> what do you see? Yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be funny. That, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So it's it's going to be, uh, you know, but it is going to open up a whole new set of uh, a whole new doors. We get to see faces. Mm-hmm. We get to put faces with voices. Finally, your pretty face, uh, Bill, is going to be all over the Rumble Channel. Think of it. Well, you know, like I've always said, you know, I got a face for radio and a voice for silent movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to test both of those things. Let's get Pianchi on. Pianchi, what do you think of us moving to Rumble? Well, as long as you pay your deposit and uh, the lecture is on, I guess it'd be okay. Well, we can see your pretty face, too. This is going to be fun. 
Well, I don't have no camera on. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, but so uh, I was going to say, as far as Donald Trump's social issues, do we really want a president? Social issues, we want many economic and uh, other things having to do with uh, the uh, safety and the running of the country. Uh, abortion is a state issue. If states yep. want to have uh, abortion, Absolutely. then let them have it. If they want oh, yeah, to kill so any baby, it? go ahead. So what, so what it is, Pianchi, it's not so much about the social issues specifically as much as the moral issues. And if you have someone who is morally bankrupt, no matter how good they are on economic policy, at some point in time, they are going to falter. Um, that's just – that's life. And it, so you have to have the good moral issues, um, and that's where the social issues come into play. Um, if you have good moral issues, then, yeah, you will, you are more likely to continue to make good, sound decisions than if you're morally bankrupt. You could do stuff temporarily, but the bad stuff always comes out in the end. You know, one of the best marriages i ever seen, maybe of the three, was Marion Barry of Washington, D.C. Really? He the brought prosperity. He brought some prosperity to that city and also helped create uh, business millionaires, and he got caught up in a crack thing with the with the government. So that didn't have anything to do with his governing. I mean, he just oh, most got certainly caught up did. And DC uh, totally went in two separate directions. The rich got richer, and the poor got way way poorer. Uh, he ushered in the crack era in DC. Uh, there, the slums were way worse. Uh, than they ever had been in D.C. He had uh, good no. policies. He had good policies. And what is the government supposed to do to help the poor not be poor? That's something that the poor are supposed to do. I mean, what do you no, want to do? Give them, like Harvard was giving black students 310 points on the SAT before they even set out? But how how does not, the poor get poorer? The poor gets poorer a couple different ways. One of them has to do with you know, uh, policies. And if you do have those bad policies, now granted, uh, Barry was also part of the same time when uh, the whole Reagan war on drugs things was happening, and we saw a, a bigger divide in America. Um, you know, and I think that he was part, you know, he got kind of caught up in that. Um, but once again, you know, when you're morally bankrupt, um, you know, you call, your decisions are very skewed. And well, Yo, what, what kind of policy do you – I mean, it's easy to say those blanket statements. Give me an example of a policy that he's supposed to do in order to keep people from being poor. Give me an example. Okay, so taxes are a great example of that. Um, not limiting mass transportation is another form of that. Uh, not limiting know, mass transportation. Last time I was in D.C., they got a underground – uh, transit systems. It took me to a place I wanted to go, where I could where, where, where you where, I I was in D.C. during uh, Marion Barry's time. Um, you know, I was a kid at that moment, but I I remember touring around D.C. Um, and yeah, when you're in the uh, tourist areas, transportation is really easy. Yeah, but that's when the, the tourist area, he's not supposed to provide transportation out to the suburbs, and poor people don't usually don't live in the suburbs. So I still want to know 
what a politician is supposed to do, or a president or mayor that is supposed to help poor people not be poor. Not seeing a lot of city. Yeah. No, I I mean, I I understand exactly what you're saying, uh, but what you're doing, what politicians do is that they set up the tax brackets to, to really trap people. That's why you see them, you know, and then you create inflation, which traps people. Um, all of that stuff is policy, okay? Well, and the policy. The, the, the cities don't create inflation. You're talking about the federal government. Let's separate the I, two. Well, I'm talking, I'm talking, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I'm saying in general. You just asked me a blank question, and I gave you a blank Well, yeah, answer. it has to be more specific. What do, you know, I'm, I'm a black American. I'm a long way, my family is a long way from being poor. So I wanted to know if I was poor, what would I have to expect from the mayor, or other than things that he that we talk to him in order to support him? But Mayor and Barry didn't have no nothing to do with, uh, far as uh, obvious concerns that keep people from being poor. Those are responsibilities that fall on individuals, especially when you're talking about children. You're talking about parents and family. No, I mean, yeah, I, we got, I agree uh, with gentlemen, you. Gentlemen, gentlemen, we've yeah, got, we got Wendy on the line. I want, to, I want to bring this back yeah. to a presidential thing for just a, one quick second. I want to get to Wendy. Uh, and the, I think we get lost when you think of the president as supposed to help the poor or engage in socialists or things like that. What is the president really supposed to do? Let me start with Pianchi and then go to Bill. What's the most important thing for the president? Or maybe the top two things the president the is supposed the to do? executive. That's what the Constitution spells him out to be. He does not okay. make law. He's right, but what areas? What, what areas uh, of the government are they supposed to, are they most? Uh, I'm sort of, sort of a leading question because I've already formulated the answer. But where do you think they should uh, put most of their efforts? What's their primary responsibility? Well, I, I would say, you, well, I mean, they're, they're basically the CEO of the country, um, and it's their, it's their job to really make sure that things are guided in the right direction. Um, you know, obviously, defense, uh, economic. Um, uh, prosperity, uh, the, but the defense of the country is obviously the most important thing. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you there. Then, also, foreign policy. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's defense foreign and foreign policy. policy. Yeah. And everything else is secondary. Everything else either the Congress is supposed to do, the courts are supposed to do, the bureaucracy is supposed to do, the states even more so are supposed to do. But the president's job, see, the president's elected by the states. People forget that. So this popular vote nonsense is a bunch of crap. The Electoral College is set up so the states elect the president so that the president can protect the states as individuals you know, which are united, which have elected a president from foreign powers. That's the job of the president. And, and, All right. and you may mention Let's about the courts. What's that? Yeah, you may mention about the courts. The courts does not make laws. No, no, if I didn't say they did. I just said opinion, they function. Yeah. They have a function. Well, 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 I mean, I'm not – well, li- right. listen. So if a court, my, you know, my, my time is up. I have to go earn my dollar for today. So you guys have a good rest of the show with Wendy. Okay, thanks. If your courts right. make a decision that the states think is unconstitutional, they have a right to say no. We're not yeah. going to do it. But yeah. guess what? Hold on, Pianchi. Pianchi, hold on. Let me, uh, I'm going to get to Wendy here. And what I want to do is actually see if I can take off one of my sweatshirts because <laughs> I got overheated because Wendy's prayer worked, and I'm feeling a lot warmer now. So I'll be right back. Hopefully I can time the taking off of my sweatshirt, muting myself to the length of Wendy's opening theme. We'll find out in just a bit. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. 
Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Made it. <laughs> Hi, Wendy. Good morning. That was hysterical. Well, I, no, I'm seriously. I'm so glad that, that you're feeling better. Oh yeah, no. I was telling folks off, off uh, when Bill's on, you know, beginning of the show. I said that you had a, a prayer for me to, to get better, and my voice instantly improved. I mean, those who think God doesn't work, I got news to you. It works amazingly well. I didn't get everything. I don't feel. I don't feel totally better. But uh, God always gives you enough. It's it's a it's a fascinating thing. We should talk about that. You don't get everything from God. You don't get you know luxury and you know riches and things like that. But you do get what you need. And at this point, I needed my voice back, uh, and that's all I needed. And so I can sit here and still be a little sick and still have a slight fever, but I got my voice back, and that's what I needed to do the show. So it's uh, God's very economical, and I don't think we've really talked about that. You don't get everything, but you do get what you need. It's fascinating. Yeah, and then sometimes we even get what we want. That's true. Is this like a Rolling Stone song? You can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you need. Channeling Mick Jagger. That's a scary thought. Because he's still here. No, that's even a scarier thought. Okay. Anyway, no, that's not a scarier thought. I'm a Rolling Stones fan. Well, good morning, Pianchi. No, Pianchi left. Uh, you know, I guess he, I thought I wanted to, I guess he thought we, we have to talk exclusively. Pianchi, you can call back in later. It's okay. I, I always like to talk to my, my reporters first because Pianchi calls most days, which is good. Not a problem. I don't yeah. like to be the only one on the show. But um, today, Wednesdays are particularly crowded with uh, uh, reporters. So in that case, <laughs> why don't I just be quiet yeah. now that my voice is back and Wendy. What's on your mind? <laughs> well, and, and I am going to have to cut off just a few minutes early today because um, my washing machine broke and the repair guy is going to be here <laughs> in oh. just a minute. So. Do you but, want to bring um, him on the show? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I haven't met this guy yet. <laughs> I can't vouch for his character. No. Um, okay. Well, won't be the first time I've had but, I've uh, it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boy, that's the truth. Well, I wanted to um, kind of touch on a subject. Um, it, this time of year, everybody is just focusing on, on Christmas, and, and, and I don't know anybody yet who has not started decorating early for Christmas because people are just so desperate in, in their soul to have some kind of joy um, amidst all of this uh, chaos running amok. And so... Um, I wanted to kind of talk about love because the the reason there's such this, this wonderful, beautiful spirit about Christmas is because God is love. And um, whether or not you believe uh, that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ or you just think it's a you know, good time to get together with your family, um, the focus on it is, is love and, and that wonderful spirit that we feel at Christmas time. Um, <clears throat> so... People have like this skewed version of what love is, and I, it's not um, puppy dogs and you know cinnamon spice lattes. It's just it's it's about um, where the rubber hits the road because sometimes love is gruesome, and sometimes love is very messy um, if you're doing it right. 
um, there are those moments where it's it's wonderful and it's, it's all mountaintops and, and beautiful views and, and you know, sunshine and roses. But um, for the most part, love is down in the trenches, sacrifice we love. And we make sure that um, their needs are taken care of above our own. And it's just people need to understand that that's what Jesus did on the cross. And, mm-hmm. and it was not pretty. And it was not um, puppy dogs and, and roses. It was not anything beautiful um, in the natural to look at. It was one of the most gruesome ways to die ever. Um, mm-hmm. And what he endured even before he went to the cross was, was horrible. So um, all these paintings that you see of Jesus, you know, with the crown on his, of thorns on his head and his, you know, little white linen um, loincloth on and um, and everything is just fine. Otherwise, you know, his hair is in place. <laughs> all this, you know, stuff is just a little um, bit distorted. On the yeah. A little bit, not even close to the truth. Yeah. Not even close to the truth. Um, he was literally beaten beyond recognition. His skin was ripped off with the cat and nine tails with the hooks in the ends. It, mm. it, no, it was, he was unrecognizable. His beard had been ripped out by the roots. His, you know, just, there was nothing that you could tell that that was Jesus. That's how badly he was beaten before he even had the cross put on his back to carry to Galgotha. So um, during this season, if you have been stretched to the limit over the last several years, I mean, to the point where you just, you just want to give up some days, you just can't go on anymore, you are worn out, you're weary, you're tired, you are, it's beyond what you can even think about doing one more day of the grind. Um, but you keep going, that's love. Mm-hmm. That is love because you know you have a family to take care of. You know you have um, people depending on you. You know you have a job to do. You know you have all these responsibilities on you. Mm-hmm. And even though you just want to give up, you keep going, That love. That's not fun and it's not pretty and it's exhausting but you are doing it because you are loving you're 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 pushing for something other than yourself and i'm i just want to encourage everyone today that jesus paid the ultimate and most gruesome price so that we don't have to carry kind of weight um he's here to help he's here to help us do that and he understands um, the weight of responsibility like nobody else does. So in, in the season of trying to get ready for Christmas and trying mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody's got something, you know, j- just stop. Just stop. It's not about how, much, how many presents the kids get. And because the children will forget about what's in that box in three days after they mm-hmm. open it. What's important is were they loved? Did they feel loved? Did they get a hug? Did they get an I love you? Did they have all kinds of memories made with you? Did they sit on the couch and and eat popcorn and watch a Christmas movie with you? Did they um, get to bake cookies with you? Did they get to go out and play in the snow if you're in that kind of climate? Um, What did you do to create a memory of love with them? What did you do to reconcile with a family member um, 
or invite somebody over that you know has no family and is really going through a hard time? Did you invite them to your table? Did you invite them to join in um, in your festivities? Yeah, think about this kind of stuff because that's what love is. And if if you see somebody out on the street, you don't know them, and in this day and age, you can't just you know, invite anybody into your home, but you can certainly help. You know, do you have anything extra that um, you can, after your, your meal is done, um, can you go and find somebody who's on a street corner and give them a plate of leftovers, you know, a, a hot meal? Can you do that? Yes, we can. That's love. So love does not always look like it's a, a, a romantic comedy. Okay, that's not how it works. But in everyday <laughs> it life, my life. In, Sorry. yeah, in the grind, yeah, we can find ways to love people in very practical ways. And so I'm just encouraging everybody to do that today. Um, think think ahead because Christmas is still a few weeks off. Um, mm-hmm. Just just think about how you can love in a very practical way. And it's going to take planning and it's going to take some sacrifice. Um, and it's not just one thing you do, you know, one time a year. Okay, well, Christmas is over now. Let's, let's get back to the grind. No. How about we bring love into 2024? <laughs> how about we, we make it a daily thing? How about we mm-hmm. look for ways that we can love people in a practical way? Because um, scripture says, don't tell somebody, oh, be warm and be fed. And not give him your yeah. coat and not give him something well. to eat. <laughs> Feel yeah. better. You know? Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll leave you out. Fly higher. And not give you anything warm <laughs> to drink or, or eat, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, or it's like when people say, my bad, to excuse everything they've done. Knowing full well, they, do, they knew exactly what they were doing was wrong. My bad. That, that's, not, that's, not a, yeah. that's not an excuse. Um, people lose the meaning of Christmas. The, the, of course, the best description is what Charles Schultz did uh, in the Charlie Brown Christmas special where Linus gets the spotlight and explains the meaning of Christmas, Christmas to Charlie Brown. Yes. That is still the classic. And it is. that should be, is that, is that special even shown anymore or is it, is it too much God um, in it for, for the left? Not since Amazon bought it. No, they have, um, they bought all of the Charles Schultz stuff, every Charlie Brown, anything they bought. And you can only see it if you pay to watch it. It is, uh, oh, Apple, not Amazon, um, but Apple. So um, that is their way of controlling (laughs) whether anybody gets the true Christmas message or not. I wonder if it's on uh, YouTube or Rumble if they have just that excerpt from it, because that's that's the best part of it. Uh, Of course, this is why those of us that have a memory who've been around for a while, it's like, who was I talking to yesterday? Oh, it's Brianna. Brianna, who's uh, younger. (laughs) She she was talking about the Wayback Machine. (laughs) Is that with the Wayback Machine, right? Um, For for finding internet (laughs) sites. I said, you know where that comes from? No, or, uh, in her younger voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch Rocky and Bullwinkle? She's like, huh? Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, flying squirrel. Flying moose and squirrel, as Boris Badenoff used to say. I said, well, Peabody and Sherman used to have a Wayback Machine. That's how they traveled back in time. And that show, you yeah. want to talk about a show that's written for adults as well as kids? I mean, what's the matter you? I mean, come on. You know, Peabody. Peabody here. Sherman. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, the jokes were hysterical, especially at a, both the adult and the kid level. I mean, that's a whole psychological study, sociological study in, uh, in that. But Frostbite Falls, <laughs> Minnesota, <laughs> you know, but uh, and, and Peabody would be like, sure, man, set the way back machine for the year 1542. Let's go see Andretti, Mario Andretti's, you know, ancestor with the cart, you know, uh, or whatever it was. OK, Mr. Peabody. And off they go. Right. That was the way back machine. Yep. But people don't know that they, yep. they, they've lost all our references. Christmas, the same thing. Charlie Brown special. 
they lose the meaning of Christmas, it becomes a buying opportunity. And that's manipulation. So we have to get all of that out and really go over the true meaning of Christmas. It's not what you buy. It's what you do. It's who you are. Yes. Don't lose the meaning. And it's who came. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's who came to set us free because freedom is is a big deal to God. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because um, you, I'm hoping we'll do, are our Oh My God table at the, uh, at yeah. the Citizen Legislation Day. And that's yeah. something that people really don't know. They talk about God-given rights, but they don't really know why. They don't know that God wants us to be free. And so this is going to be a, a perfect uh, you know, place to explain all that to people. And if I see you standing on the table and preaching, I'll, I'll just point you out to social media. But uh, do you think... <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? So Citizen Legislation Day is January 7th. We're gearing up for it now. But uh, you could have a, a whole table to explain to people, you know, exactly how God wants us to be free. Because I don't think people really know. I, I think you're right about that. I, I think they have absolutely no, no clue that um, that is the desire of God's heart is to have people set free. And because here, here's the thing. They bought mm-hmm. into the lie that freedom is um, having no boundaries. You should be able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it, with absolutely no consequences, <clears throat> and they think that's freedom. No, that's anarchy. <laughs> it's anarchy. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, that's not freedom, um, because freedom does have boundaries. You know, we have mm-hmm. boundaries um, on our own nation saying, you aren't going to come in here into our nation and attack our people without mm-hmm. consequences. You know, so boundaries are there for your protection. Um, and and for to keep healthy things healthy, so um, to have the idea in your head that God is about restriction instead of freedom has been one of the most successful um, propaganda campaigns of the enemy's camp for centuries. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we understand. That freedom is is not no rules at all. It's not no boundaries at all because that makes you pray. You know, true freedom means that you are free to love, you are free to give, you are free to love God, you are free to worship or not. Um, and that as long as you understand that every decision that you make has a consequence to it and you're willing to take full responsibility of the consequence to your decisions, Mm-hmm. That's what freedom is. That's called free will. Well, we actually graphed it. I don't know if you've, uh, you know, most people miss the slides that I put on literally every show. Um, one of them is a CDC chart that shows that uh, COVID was gone by July of 2020, and everything after that is lies and propaganda to sell the, the COVID jab. That's right. But, but, yeah, but I've got that chart. I put it on every time. You can't find it anywhere except my show every single day. Uh, the other chart we put on there is... is <laughs> You know, and I keep doing it. Nobody notices. It's really funny. I'll do, I'm going to have some graphics like that on Rumble to see if a, you know, a whole bunch more people see it. But the other one is our chart graphing liberty. And so liberty uh, is the point where you have the maximum individual freedom. Um, but it also is a place, you know, it's not anarchy. It's a place where you have only enough laws to protect life, liberty, and property. And once you get fewer laws than that, you're heading towards anarchy. More laws than that, and you're heading towards tyranny. And there's a lot further to go towards tyranny than there is towards anarchy. So it's the, the yeah. least government. So the founders, our nation is set up at the point of maximum liberty. And everything after that has been a gradual slide towards tyranny with ever-increasing rules, laws, bureaucracy, and everything else. But we actually graft it. And so individual freedom is not anarchy, 
it's not where you can do what you want. Because if you're if 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 you're an anarchy, all you're doing is, is sitting outside your door with a gun, you know, keeping the looters away. That's not freedom. You can't That's produce right. anything. That's exactly you can't create. Right. Yeah. But as you head and towards you can't tyranny, tell somebody else that that what they're doing is wrong with anarchy because everybody can do whatever they want. Exactly. It's like the difference and there between is democracy right and, and a republic. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and here's, people don't uh, want to hear that. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I mean, we, we talk about things that, uh, that, that's not a criteria on the show. People don't want to hear it. That's not a criteria. That's actually uh, an encouragement. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can't talk like that. <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, um, watch this. <laughs> yeah, watch this. <laughs> we're kind of fearless around here. We don't care. Uh, in fact, when we're visual, yeah. we're going to care even less. Because now you know who we are. You'll see us on the street. So there. <clears throat> anyway. Um, but, but here's a perfect example of, of a republic versus democracy, if we can get political for a second here. Derek Chauvin is innocent. George Floyd died of a drug overdose, and yet he almost gets stabbed in prison where he shouldn't even be. But he was convicted yeah. by a democracy. In other words, a lynch mob decided that he was guilty to support a political agenda. And all you people that love democracy, you don't understand. Freedom does not come from a democracy. You know, it comes from a republic where you have laws where you have rules of evidence, where you have trials, where you have rights. Those don't come from a republic. Those don't come from a democracy. Democracy is a lynch mob. And that's exactly what happens. So here's a man who's probably going to be killed in prison for a crime that he did not commit. You know? And so you know, I mean, if we can call a, a blessing onto him to get him the hell out of there. But that's what happens when people go wild and crazy and they lose, they lose their perspective. They lose their sense of justice. So what yeah. would God say about, about this situation? I'd be kind of curious. Because the righteous thing to do is to get them um, out of there. Well, it is. And, and there's going to be um, freedom coming for a lot of people, actually. Um, okay. And there's going to be some prison coming for a lot more. So <laughs> Even better. And because God has said, he, he has spoken it, enough is enough. He's done. Yeah. Um, okay. And he's fixing to step in and do some stuff in this nation that um, when it's all said and done, people are going to go, only God mm. has done that. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of um, hold on to your hat and make sure um, that you are putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you because um, if, if you don't know him, you know that old saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or in an or a small airplane, by the way, too. That, that's another great place to find God is when you're up there by yourself in an airplane. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you'll, you'll get God as your co-pilot real fast. So, yeah, yeah. I've been there. Actually, make God the pilot. You be the co-pilot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, too. But you don't think of that when you're 16. But, uh, yeah, it's a, seriously, anybody wants true. to find God, go fly an airplane by yourself. You know, learn, learn to fly. Yeah. You'll see, you, God will be right there with you, trust me, you know, because you'll find and do things and see things. It's just it's amazing what happens. Anyway, if you've got four minutes left, I, I can play you our Christmas greetings. Have you heard that? For, yeah. Did you ever hear that? All right, let's do that. If you're still here, I'll know you didn't go to the Maytag man. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again. So here is just a friendly little message from your action radio revolutionaries. In preparation for Christmas and New Year's, we have just a few ideas and suggestions to make your holiday complete. Granted, these are times of adversity, brought about by bureaucrats in what we affectionately call the leftist lockdown orgasmic power trip. 
but don't let a completely illegal martial law style abdication and removal of your constitutional rights get in the way of a decent glass of eggnog with friends. After all, <laughs> six-foot social distancing is a completely false concept for a virus that can linger in the air for hours in aerosol form, can be sneezed well over 200 feet, can travel through an entire 10-story building central air system in a couple of minutes, and goes through a mask like a mosquito through a chain-link fence. So, no matter what you do, everyone is getting exposed sometime. Leaving the healthy people alone accomplishes this in about 10 weeks. So, this should have been done the end of May. Speaking of masks, besides being a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against seizure of your person, in this case, your face, without due process, the state can't make you wear a mask. So, go home if you're sick, but if not, go free face, as all real Americans are doing, and enjoy the Christmas season. Apparently, there is a deplorable lack of New Year's resolutions this year. Well, I have one. Hmm. To resist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to restore and rejuvenate that inner rugged individual the left has tried so hard to put behind a mask and lockdown, and I'm going to resist. So, you find a creative way to resist, there's your revolution resolution. Remember, folks, those Twilight Zone episodes where people wore masks? They were supposed to make you think, not make you copy them. Family values should be emphasized this Christmas with the traditions that bind us together. Sit as close as you can at dinner. Remember those wet kisses from Grandma when you were a kid? Engage in spirited debates. Don't forget to use serving dishes where everyone sticks their own personal fork and spoon in, all in the interest of sharing. Remind everyone that closing churches violates the First Amendment. Closing businesses without criminal convictions violates our Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property. And closing schools denies our kids their right to an education. So, you may want to point that out to your governors and mayors this festive season so they understand their transgressions and can repent. I would have suggested you go to New York this year, but quite frankly, they don't have the balls to celebrate New Year's. <laughs> no, really, the ball isn't dropping. <laughs> Maybe we should rename Times Square Tiananmen Square West. Remember that there are many great gifts you can share this Christmas, particularly AR-15s and AK-47s. Those tend to warm the heart. As we say at Action Radio, world peace through strength. Just remember that everything the government tells you is wrong. So if you want to avoid COVID, don't take the vaccine. Go to the beach instead. Get that sunshine and vitamin D. Stay away from home. Engage in commerce and business. Travel as much as you can. Work out at crowded gyms. Drive extensively, preferably with the windows open. Patronize businesses that are in open rebellion. And resist, resist, resist the doctor dictatorship. In closing, let me just say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. Muslims, you don't have a holiday at this time, so just go eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve and meet some really nice Jewish folks. Hey, they might be your neighbors. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. Oh boy. Do you know what Christmas I made that for? <laughs> what? That was 2020. I made that before the vaccine really? came out. The COVID jab, yeah. Oh, okay. And all those, all those things came true. You were way ahead as always. Yeah. Um, Pianchi has a message for you. He had to leave early. He says, tell Wendy good morning. He says, may God bless her and her family. And Santa is nice to her. Aw. We should talk about Santa Claus. Oh. That'd, that'd be good. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's a nice message. Maybe next week we can, uh, you know, the origins of St. Nicholas might be something interesting for people to do. Anyway, that's my Christmas message. <laughs> it should warm your heart. AK-47s and AR-15s make wonderful gifts. <laughs> it's like all the worst things that. I can think of. You know, 
<laughs> you know me. It's all and it's all on my Action Radio uh, channel on YouTube. Which, when we get uh, world famous on Rumble, will be quickly taken down. So I'll just add them all to Rumble <laughs> later on. <laughs> I've still got the original. You know, so not a problem. No, everything's copied, duplicated. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty set. So, what do you think of uh, a Rumble? Did I ask you about that already? I, I'm sort of delirious today. No, you haven't. But I'm, I'm thrilled that we're going over there. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Everybody can I, see I, your red I, hair. We, we will. Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. And uh, we'll, and maybe even a Buddy will probably make an appearance every once in a while because he has to get up and lick my face every once in a while. Well, that's um, fine. I don't he, care. You see, I want this to be as 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 natural as the show is normally. So if, if, if Buddy comes up and licks your face, that's fine. Buddy's a dog, by the way, in case people are wondering. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I know. That's my job as host to, you know, prepare for every eventuality. Yes, that's not the creepy neighbor. It's my dog. No, no, no. Not yet anyway. You never know, though. You know, the day is young. Um, but uh, but see, I, the shows, we're, we're not changing the show, folks, because we're going on Rumble. I'm still going to be me. But the nice thing is my computer actually has a good microphone and camera, so I don't have to be behind the microphone like I do on Blog Talk. So I'm going to do it, you know, so if you get, I'm not sure how it's going to work on streaming, but if you have a decent computer, a decent camera and mic, you won't even, you won't need to uh, uh, call in. You can just, I'll, I'll be sending out, I think it's called a key. I got to figure out how, CJ is going to teach me how to do that tomorrow. So we're going to do a, a rumble show tomorrow. If it works, I'll do it on Friday. And all of a sudden we're going to see everybody. <laughs> it's going to be weird. <laughs> and those that don't want to appear on camera, they can call in. I'm sure that's going to work. I think. I hope. Maybe they just use the stream key, but they'll, they'll block their camera or something like that and I'll i got to figure out. So it, it's going to be a building process. We'll get better at it like everything else. You know, we'll add things. That's we'll right. Just improve things. Yeah. I'm not worried. It's going to be fun. I mean, you get to see all my T-shirts now. <laughs> Summertime T-shirts, you know, wintertime sweatshirts. Yeah, that's how it goes. Casual. Still us. Yeah, I'm not changing. I'm not changing people. I'm not changing style. I'm not changing my sarcasm. I'm not changing anything, really. You, you just see me make all the faces you don't see right now. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 the when you do the eye roll out loud. Oh yeah, eye rolls are going to be a very important part of the show. Eye rolls, you know, s- sarcastic, you know, snickers, all that kind of stuff. It's it's critical. <laughs> That's what makes the show fun. <laughs> well, I I think it'll be much more entertaining for for those who can actually view. But and and the the cool thing is is they can watch it at any time. Just like you know, we can do the podcast here on Blog Talk. Exactly. So the rumbles they will be rumbles. They will be podcasts. Uh, and I think the records will last longer. So here's the problem with with, with Talk now. I've asked them if there's a way to download all five years worth of shows. And basically, they don't answer my question, which is pretty typical of Blog Talk. It's another reason I'm taking off. Um, but I think I'm going to have to literally, individually, go through all five years, record them, and take a screenshot of the of the page uh, with the notes wow. and just keep it that way. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. But, you know, it's worth it. I don't want to lose those shows. Yeah, we got, we got, Especially the COVID. We, we documented COVID every single day at the weekends. Yes, we you know, did. For three years. <laughs> yes, we and did. We were. And, and we're and we were correct. Yeah. And we knew we were correct. That's, that's the frustrating part. We knew we were correct. Let the record so show. So three years later. <laughs> what's, what's, what's that now? I said, let the record show. <laughs> let the record show that Action Radio was way ahead of everybody else, including the experts. <laughs> way ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, here comes our washer repair guy. So okay. um, I will wish everyone a wonderful day. And as always, bow now and avoid the rush. No kidding. 
All right. Well, you'll be on. You'll be visual next week. If all goes well tomorrow, we'll see how okay. it works. I think it's gonna be fine. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye now. Who is that woman behind the microphone? What stories does she have for us? Secluded in a small radio studio in a secure location, Bonnie Nesbitt presents the news of the week and then presents not the news of the week. So join us now for The B Word with Bonnie Nesbitt. Yeah, you're going to be visual next week, darling. What do you think? We'll be on Rumble. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it should be pretty cool. I'm I'm ready to go. I've I've got it. Every everything is uh, essentially prepared for me to have a spot to sit and actually be visual and not moving around 50 miles an hour like I normally do. <laughs> well, you can actually do that. In fact, I think it'd be funnier if people just walk around the room and then come back and, and wave like I'm here. <laughs> like, right. That kind of stuff would that kind of stuff wouldn't bother me. I want you to be yourself. Everybody, be yourself. Of course. And don't change. Don't change because we're visual. I, I might get up and okay. so I'm gonna go get a banana from the kitchen. I'll be right back and just have people just talk. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, because well, you know, the, the nice thing about radio is that I've I've been so used to just putting it on mute and being able to, you know, go take a quick restroom break when I need it. <laughs> oh yeah. I won't be able to do that much anymore. <laughs> well, DJs do that all the time, but uh, talk show hosts can't. They have to oh, wait yeah. for the news break. You know. Yeah. But exactly. there's so many commercials now exactly. with uh, with AM radio that uh, you know I think 11 minutes is their longest segment. You know, mm-hmm. but with us, if someone's mm-hmm. interesting, I'll keep them three hours. I don't care. <laughs> I think two hours yeah, is, exactly. is the record. A little over two hours, I think, is the record. But there's like two or three different interviews that went two hours. I'm like, can you stay the next hour? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Let me keep... Roger Roots in particular. What? We were talking yeah. about how the Western states need to seize all their land back from the feds because it's state land. Feds can't own land in, in the states. Mm-hmm. They can't control land in the states, except what the Constitution says, which is the border's uh, built necessary buildings under armories or land under armories uh, and dockyards, you know, things like that for, and D.C. So they get to control D.C., uh, stuff right at the border uh, and necessary buildings and things that the states actually consent to sell to them. Well, that's it. So right. all that land that's, that's, right. that, you know, you know, and now well, the reason this comes up is a Breitbart article talking about um, how they want to, uh, you know, Brandon wants to put all the illegals on federal land in the states. And there was, and there was a bill to stop that, and that that bill's getting, you know, all kinds of harassment and things like that. So, so the question is, should illegal right. aliens, you know, be uh, held on on federal land? And I would say only as a reservation and a prelude to deportation. <laughs> but that's about it. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Or should the no, states I just agree. use their land? I, back? I definitely agree. That's the question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to the states seizing the land back, the question would be. Um, what kind of force are they going to be allowed to have, considering that the government keeps wanting to strip us of our rights to defend ourselves? What kind of rights is the state going to have? Are they going to strip, you know, with the tyrannical moves of the government? Mm-hmm. It's essentially everything is a battle uphill from the beginning. Well, you don't need the you don't need the feds so permission to, be prepared to, to, to take the land. I mean, it's in the constitution. No. Right. So, so what a state would have to let's say mm-hmm. let's pick Montana. I think that's where Roger Roots is, or Wyoming. He's one of those northern states, right? So a lot of that state, maybe half sure. the state. The federal government's taken over illegally, right? So the governor of Montana simply evicts all the federal officers, takes down all the federal signs, removes all the federal fences, and says, this is state land. It's not yours anymore. Any federal, any, any mm-hmm. national park becomes a state park. And they say, it's ours. Get the hell out. If they want to start drilling for oil, if they want to throw out all their illegals, they can do that. 
the federal government should not be owning land in the states. And that's how they do it. You don't need permission. You don't go to the Supreme Court and ask the Supreme Court for permission to have what's already theirs. It's like when gun owners, right. oh, we have, to get the, we have to get the Supreme Court to say that the Second Amendment is an individual right. Well, listen, you stupid morons. All rights are individual. You don't need the Supreme Court to say it. And besides, what if they say something else, which is, of course, what they've done? They say it can yeah. be restricted. You know, it mm-hmm. can be reasonable restrictions. And that was Scalia, who should know better. I'm on a roll. I'm starting to feel better. <laughs> <laughs> you must be. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wendy offered a prayer before the show. It is, it's had a very strong effect. So, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you what, that, that woman's a prayer warrior. I love it. Oh, she's amazing. And then my voice came back like five minutes before the show. Yes, she is. Thanks, God. Appreciate the help, <laughs> as always. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Listen, Absolutely. Yeah. Now that I've sidetracked you completely from anything you wanted to talk about, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, um, there's a couple of interesting things that kind of came my way. One of the first ones I found quite interesting is um, a headline article. Maya Reed Alordi, if that's how you say it, on Daily Wire yesterday wrote an article about 60 branches of major banks filing to close in just one week of this past month. So banks are closing. And hmm. the latest growing trend of banks closing up involves some of the biggest ones. For example, PNC which is the country's sixth largest bank, has been completely cutting back on all of their banks. PNC. What does PNC stand for? Yeah. I do not even know. PNC is it like bank. Pacific Northern look. Central or something? It sounds like a railroad. Um, Pittsburgh National Corporation and Provident National Corporation. Both of them are based in Philly. They probably start with railroads. It's probably railroad money that got them going. What do you bet? It could very easily be, or coal, or, because or it's steel. great energy. Yeah. Or steel, steel. coal, and railroad. Absolutely, or pretty. steel. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. curious. Like Carnegie yeah, Mellon was steel. The Mellon Bank, the Carnegie Bank. Mm-hmm. Well, the Mellon Bank, I think that was steel, right. Carnegie Mellon. Right. Um, Rockefeller, you know, I don't know if he has any banks. Um, Rockefeller. Well, mm-hmm. But he I was don't... Standard Oil. He didn't need banks. He, he was Standard Oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But some but of these I companies. But I find it interesting that, you know, mm-hmm. So, well, as far as the basis of the banks and how they were founded, even even bypassing the history of that, might we all go back to 08 when we had the big crash, right? And Obama bailed out the banks and bailed out GM and bailed out these huge corporate companies and essentially tied them into lots and lots of debt for the future, which they never had to pay back. The average taxpayer was on the hook for. Um, now, all these years later, we see banks shuttering up. And initially people would say, well, that's not such a bad thing because we all know that a robot can do a teller's job. So that makes sense that they would be cutting back on staff and cutting back on brick and mortar. More and more people are going to online. I see it obviously like you do as a growing trend toward a cashless society. So the more banks that shut down, the more online they go. It just helps feed the narrative of doing away with cash and doing everything online so that the government can seize control of your assets, have control over your own money, and not allow you, the individual, to go out and support a mom and pop that they don't want. They don't want the mom and pops. They want big corporate America to be owned by the elite few. Yeah, but the more the the, the corporations centralize, the the greater the chance of local banks Mm -hmm. starting to reopen. You know, you might have the you know, the Medford, Oregon bank, or, or just pick a town, Lawrence, Kansas bank. Small banks are going to pop up. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, uh, what's that? It's well, a wonderful course. life. Uh, George, uh, what was his name that uh, Jimmy Stewart played? George Bailey. George Bailey. George I don't had know. a local savings and loan. Yeah. So, okay. so what? So Americans are pretty creative well, too. So, uh, 
excuse me, I'm be coughing a lot this hour. Yeah, but we second have, hour, first we, hour was okay. We have yeah. credit unions. Um, we have credit unions that I strongly suggest anybody that has a bank account get into. Like I personally have withdrawn all my money from the big corporate mm-hmm. banks because I don't trust mm-hmm. what's going to happen with them. Go to private savings credit union type um, institutions and you're guaranteed mm-hmm. that your your money is insured by the members and not the FDIC. It's, there's oh, so okay. much more comfort in knowing that. And and I've I've suggested that to all of my clients for the past decade, that they get their money mm-hmm. out of the big banks and go to private credit unions. Um, yeah. But now this is just further evidence. I mean, it's it's just it's out there that these banks are closing down. The PNC Bank I was particularly talking about said it was cutting four percent of its workforce, and they mm-hmm. had already shut down dozens of branches, and supposedly is aiming to cut over seven hundred million dollars this year in in just average cuts between closing it up. In the yeah. past couple of years, over seventy five hundred bank branches have shut down. That's wow. a lot of banks just in four <sighs> years' time. Yeah, it's interesting how it's working. I know that uh, when I was in California, I started with one bank, which was bought by another bank, which was bought by another bank, which ended up being bought by Chase. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up with a Chase account. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Well, and I came, I came exactly. here and found a, a local regional bank, which is bought by a bigger bank, which is bought by mm-hmm. another bigger bank. And I've only been here six years. Seventh anniversary coming right. up in March. Exactly. And it's already bought three times. Now, yeah. my local branch is almost the same people throughout those three different ownerships. Oh, yeah. So I stay there because they know yeah. me and they're really good people. You know, and so I don't have a problem with that. Um, but if it ever, mm-hmm. if the policies of the bank ever cause me problems, yeah, I think it, actually it wouldn't be bad to look into a credit union anyway, just because of it. But because I'm known, I would highly recommend people, it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I use cash now yeah. uh, more. You know, just to just to keep going. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. The grocery stores. Hey, you guys right. remember this? Especially the kids, right? This is called cash. So I joke with them. Right? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, even yeah. checks like. I'm one of those old school people that is not afraid to write a check at the, the lane. And, and you get a 20-something-year-old millennial, and they look at you like, what is that? <laughs> you know? Like, they yeah, don't understand I mean, the whole concept of writing a check on, on a checking account. And it's basic economics. Like, this was forced to be taught in school how to properly write a check, how to <laughs> balance a checkbook, all of the basic life skills that a certain, I think, you know, age, 10th grade and up, should be able to do without much of a problem. I still think it should be enforced in schools because whether you go digital or not, you have to understand how to balance your checkbook. You cannot go to an ATM and have mm-hmm. it print out a receipt and say, what's my balance? And say, oh, well, the bank says I have $2,562 when right. um, you've got eight transactions pending that haven't cleared mm-hmm. yet. And now tomorrow mm-hmm. you're going to be overdrawn. So, Yeah, except my bank has the pending as transactions. A they only have, uh, you know, what you've got you know, what they haven't recorded yeah. yet. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Mark, exactly. Mark on the Netherlands that's, says that's the basic... is always in balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am, mm. I am very much a stickler for making sure that that happens. And granted, that's my field. I, I've been a bookkeeper for over 20 years. And so taking care of people's accounts and money is a personal passion of mine as far as making sure everything balances out. I can't stand it when I'm off a penny. But I won't mm. waste my time, you know, over trite issues that aren't going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things. But obviously when you see things clearing that should not have cleared, which is happening more and more with credit card fraud, you're seeing transactions clear because hackers are getting in, charging to your account, and people don't pay attention. They get a credit card statement. They're so focused on paying the minimum amount that's due that they're not even paying attention to the charges that happened that month. So recurring charges pop up. 
I know somebody personally that basically was over $30,000 worth of recurring credit card charges that somebody else put on their card, and she wasn't even aware. I know another wow. situation where a daughter took over the account and, and fraudulently charged things to Target and Amazon and all of these other things and basically mm-hmm. ate up the entire business's funds of her mother and father without even mm-hmm. giving it a second thought. And they weren't aware until somebody comes in and investigates it, like, that's thorough. Somebody, like, mm-hmm. you know, willing to actually put the time in and not just go by what they say. Yeah, so that more and more as banks go online, yeah. more and more people will be paying less attention to those types of things. And I urge everyone to pay attention, not only with where your money goes and how you invest it, but what it's being spent on, especially as Wendy so prophetically has said over the course of the past few months that Mm -hmm. things are about to get really bad. Mm -hmm. It's time to pay attention. Oh, yeah. And we've been paying attention here for years. I I think things have been bad for a long time as the government gains more and more power. Mm -hmm. But something happened to me not too long ago with my website. Now, they fixed my website. But the problem was this company that's hosting it, and I have to switch out of them at the end of this contract. Um, They they, they contracted for some services, but they took the money out when they felt directly out of my bank because I have payments for for the regular subscription stuff. So and when they took it Mm -hmm. out, I didn't know they were going to take it out, and they overdrew my account. Right. And I had all kinds of charges. So I had to go to the bank and I had to do a bunch of other things. Unfortunately, I had other money coming in, so it covered it. But I was going to pay it a week later. <laughs> then they decided to take it. They took it immediately. It's like, you can't do that. You can't just go into my account and take money. Well, you owe it to us. I'm like, okay, fine. So there's a problem with automatic payments, too. So anything else you charge, if you give them yeah. access to your account, they can take anything else they want, too. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And a lot of people yeah. will take advantage of that because they give you a discount. Have you noticed how many people you can sign up for automated payments and they will tell you, hey, if you sign up for ePay or Bill Pay or automated payments, we'll, we'll knock $5 off of your monthly bill. Have you mm-hmm. noticed how much more common that is? They are incentivizing mm-hmm. people to go electronically intentionally so that you won't pay attention. Just this past week, I logged on to my account. Netflix charged me an extra $2. They increased their basic rate. And mm-hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have been, first of all, at the basic plan ever since I signed on, and it used to be $8.99 a month. Then they right. increased it to $9.99 a month. Now I looked this past month, it's $11.99, and nothing's changed. I haven't gotten anything. It's just them increasing their costs. So mm-hmm. I go in to Netflix's website. I, I'm looking for an alternative that's, you know, basically backing, that, backing me back down to a better price. So, okay, throw in your ads and see if you can charge me 5 bucks a month instead of 12 bucks a month. No, Mm -hmm. they don't even offer the plan that I have anymore. They have a big (laughs) disclaimer in bold font. We don't even offer the basic plan anymore. The cheapest plan you can get is like $15.49 a month. So I'm I'm still better off at $11.99 than anybody else out there, and I'm I'm upset about it because I only watch Netflix like maybe once every other week. It's terrible. Maybe you should get Roku. (laughs) Here, do something different. I do have Roku. No, I have Roku and I have Prime, but Netflix is one of those things where obviously they carry certain shows nobody else does. And now at $12 a month, I may very well cancel it because I'm just not utilizing it. (laughs) No, I understand. I understand completely. Anyway, the good news is I did fix my website. (laughs) It still works. I used to get hacked about twice a week over the course of three months. And so let's hope it stays fixed. Well, I'm printing up all my bills just in case they get, they hack me, you know, July, uh, January 7th mm-hmm. for a citizen legislation day, if they're waiting mm-hmm. for that. So like, guys, hey, FBI, KGB, if you're going to hack me, it doesn't matter. I'm printing up all the bills anyway. So it doesn't matter. You can go ahead and hack my website. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll do the event without it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm, I've already covered that contingency. That's right. I mean, I cover everything, but I cover that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. But behind behind the branch closings, it's just interesting to me that these larger banks are closing out branches because you would think that they're doing better and better with increasing interest rates. They're mm-hmm. making more on mortgages. They're making more on any kind of lending. Um, mm-hmm. Why is it? <clears throat> excuse me. Why is it? Do you think that they're closing so many branches? If you had to speculate, do you agree that it's because they're trying to go more and more toward a cashless society, or do you think there's another deeper reason? No, I mean, the cashless society, I mean, I think of business people, they're always looking to, to lower their costs and increase their profits. And so if they close branches, they don't have to have people working there. If everything goes through a call center, right? in the Philippines especially, you know, um, it's like when I, when I call my bank, I usually I get the, the, the main, you know, call center number. But uh, I, I still have mm-hmm. a relationship with my local bank, so they know me. So I get better service because of that. So what right. people have to do is to establish, right. a, you know, don't keep using the ATM, don't keep using the drive-thru, go visit your bank. Make sure they know you. So why they're doing it, I think a lot right. of it's just cost savings. But here's the problem, though. It's the concentration of banks. So the problem is not necessarily the closing the branches. That's a symptom. The problem is we're letting banks buy other banks. That's the problem. We're reducing our competition. And it's like when Teddy Roosevelt had the trusts. Right. You know, or Standard, right. Standard Oil is the, perfect, is the perfect example, right? So Standard Oil mm-hmm. was, was broken up into seven oil companies. Uh, Ma Bell was the other one, AT&T was broken up into mm-hmm. several phone companies, Pacific Bell, Southern Bell, Atlantic right. Bell, you know, New England Bell, all yep. those bells. It's like seven or eight bells, right? Uh, Standard Oil yes. was broken into Gulf, uh, Sunoco, Chevron, Mobile, Exxon, uh, Texaco. I think that's all of them. There mm-hmm. might be more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, that's how it was, right? And the, those companies are doing fine. They're still multi-billion dollar uh, international corporations. But they, they, they got rid of what they call the vertical integration. Now, that hasn't happened to the health companies. So apparently the problem now is the health companies make the medicine, sell the medicine, insure the medicine, you know, insure the do- you know, hire the doctors. So from, uh, and it's all you know, regulated by the government. You know, so the whole COVID thing was a government, private, hospital, conspiracy you know, cartel to kill people. Mm-hmm. We, should, we really there's there's something to break up. So the banks don't worry me as much as the government health cartel. That's far scarier. <clears throat> as he costs. <laughs> what do you think? Well, um, as, as far as any kind of going back to like the banking industry for mm-hmm. being somewhat of a cartel and and breaking them up. The the only method I see of even overcoming that is exactly what we kind of first touched on, and that is these individual banks, the community banks, cropping up in local communities and supporting yeah. people, like you said, getting to know your clients, having them walk in the door, offering the loans and all of that, and, and kind of getting a large amount of clientele, because obviously the more people you have in a bank, the more funds you're going to have available for lending. What I run into right now as I am sweeping across different bank branches at loan rates is Currently, as large as the credit union is in my area, they still have rates that are more expensive than any other federally insured bank. Oh, that's so interesting. If we did a what? Yeah, it, it's it's very true. Like where the they local get the credit money union from? I have has been in business Does, over. Uh, where do they again? get their money to loan? Where do they get their money to loan? If it comes from banks, the the banks are going to charge the credit union interest for borrowing that money. That's why the rates are higher. When it comes to a credit. Well, when it comes to a credit union, my understanding is that all the money comes from the members in the credit union. 
So initially, I don't know where opening funds come from. Does somebody just arbitrarily say, I'm going to open up a bank and go take out a loan with someone else to have, you know, a million dollars available to lend out? I, I, don't, I know. don't know how a bank gets started. That's something I could research and, and yeah, figure it out. Yeah, that's a great question. How, how is a bank to, chartered? You know, you look yeah. up right now. How is a bank chartered? Yeah. You know, do they have to have so many assets? But uh, the money costs money, right? So they got to go somewhere to uh, get their money. Correct. And they make money so by loaning money out to... and by people not claiming the money and by investing the money. Fractional banking, right? You take in 100 bucks, You loan out $90. You call it an asset. Mm-hmm. So now you have $190. Right. You've got a $90 loan and you've got uh, $100 in asset, in, in actual money. When you take that $90 and you lend out you know, $80 <laughs> you know, and so on. Now you've got $170 or however it works. My math sucks. But that's how they, they create money out of nothing. So the biggest problem with the banks, if you really want to, is the, the problem is that inflation makes money for the government and for the largest banks. Because the higher the inflation rate, the higher mm-hmm. the interest rates, right? The cost of money goes up. Right. right. So the higher the interest rate, the more money they make. Now, so the answer to this is our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Because when Congress can't borrow money, mm-hmm. they can't create inflation. When they can't create inflation, inflation drops. It actually becomes deflation. Because as, as you right. hold the money supply stable and you increase the economy, the GDP increases, right? So you've got more goods, more services. You've got to find out that you've, you've, you've fixed the amount of money. Then each of those dollars you know, becomes more valuable because you know, when you have so many dollars but you have a greater economy, then each dollar can buy more of that economy. And each dollar becomes more valuable. Well, as the dollar becomes more valuable, the prices drop because the dollar can buy more. That's called deflation. So the answer is not to break up the right. banks. Uh, the answer might be to not have them all be able to merge. But the two things I would do is stop Congress borrowing money, get rid of inflation, create deflation. And the other thing I would do is never bail out the banks. But I have to correct you on one thing you said earlier. Oh, uh, it, was, it was actually George Bush that bailed out the banks in 2008 because he's a globalist, much as Obama was. That's why Bush and Obama get along so well. It's basically the same thing, from same person from two different parties. So it was Bush. How did Bush do it, though? Because Obama was president in 08 when the crash happened. No, he wasn't. Not, no, he ran well, no, he in inherited 08. it. That's right. He, That's right. He ran in 08. He was on his way in. Yeah, he ran in 08. That's right. Um, but the, the, the crash happened in, I think, August, because I know I was on vacation. And I came back, and all of a sudden, the economy yeah. sucked. I went to Alaska with my kid, right? Yes. By the time I came back, everything had fallen apart. So that was in August of 2008. Mm-hmm. So the election mm-hmm. was in November. Obama wins because people were, were too afraid yes. not to vote for a black person. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, right? And so he comes in and, and completely ruins the country. And of course, the, he's completing the job with uh, Brandon now, and that's his mission to destroy the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, and and the Republicans are simply letting him because they don't care, because the government has their plan. See, there's now there's something really insidious. If the government chose the government, what would it look like? Well, we know what it would look like. The government did choose this government. The people didn't. People chose Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But the government said, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to let you choose Donald Trump. We're going to choose Joe Biden so we can do the things that we've always wanted to do. Open borders, no energy, woke corporations, you know, no defense, you know, trillions of dollars in inflationary debt, wars all over the place. That's what the government wants to do. So we're looking, we're seeing a government mm-hmm. run wild. But let's get back to the banking question because uh, it's something you obviously know about, which is kind of cool. If we stop them from merging and if we refuse to ever bail them out, or made them, just made them pay back their bailouts. You know, we changed our mind. Now you gotta pay the, you got to pay back those bailouts. That'd be fair game. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, and as far as that goes, my, my gut tells me that if, if the government were to do that and say you pay it back, the bank, 
the bank conglomerations as a whole would simply turn to the public and say, okay, we're going to, you know, double our personal lending rate. They're going to have mm-hmm. to make the taxpayer pay for it because they're not going to pay it. They don't want to mm-hmm. pay it. And, and that's when the new banks open up. Somehow they're the going to find new banks open up. Yeah. yeah, the new banks who didn't borrow money, that's when they open up. Yep. Yep. Right. Exactly. There you go. That, that would be the, the perfect opportunity. So mm-hmm. why market. not? <clears throat> yeah. I think that yeah. that would be a an amazing game plan to get everybody on par and people would switch immediately to local community banks and probably the big conglomerations would either have to close up shop or they would mm-hmm. have to revamp from the get-go and do something remarkably well, that's creative. That's what we have bankruptcy court for. Back. We have bankruptcy court, all mm-hmm. right? So all those banks, they should never have been bailed out. That's not a free market. It's, it's, not, a, right. it's not a free market when you win and, and socialism when you lose or make stupid decisions. Right. A free market allows you to succeed right. or fail. So a free market means if you lose, if you screw up, if you're too big, there's no such thing as too big to fail. You know, that, right. is, that, is, that, exactly. that doesn't compute. Right? It, anybody free market can fail. Is, no, yeah, it doesn't. Anybody can fail. It always mm-hmm. Yeah, that always bothered me whenever that slogan came out of too big to fail because that's absolutely a myth. There is no business that is exempt from being able to fail. That is literally the definition of business. It's commerce. It's driven by demand Mm -hmm. and supply. There's no such thing that puts you above the fact of saying that you could go out of business if you don't supply what you need to your customers, period, (laughs) or if the demand drops. How about General Motors? Same thing. They were not too big to fail. Make a better car, for goodness sake. Quit making pieces of crap that die on the road. And mm-hmm. if agree. you start making a better product, people will buy it, and they'll, they'll laugh. Look at Toyota. Look at Subaru. Look at Honda. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of these companies started in other countries, but now a lot of the parts are manufactured in our country. Subaru mm-hmm. gets their parts con- manufactured in Kentucky. So we can mm-hmm. drive American commerce and have a good vehicle, have it be mm-hmm. completely internally made if we have all of the elements that we need and the workers to do it, and be just fine. And those cars are on the road. If you go to any used dealership and you tell them you want a Subaru, they will look you in the face and they will say, you're looking for the hardest car to find. Hmm. People are either staying in them or are passing them on to their children, or they're just flat out and out 400,000 miles dead on the road like they've, they've run their course. They, they literally don't have a good market for used Subarus because they're such a good car. That's interesting. I myself drive I had, one, so uh, I may be a little bit biased. But. <laughs> I had a Toyota Tercel that uh, rebuilt the engine at 316,000, and it went another 100,000, mm-hmm. and it made it to 424,000 miles. Yeah. It's a great car. 1987. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, no problem. Exactly. Exactly. But you get a Ford, or you get a GM, or you get a Chevy, you're going to run into one thing after another that's going to go wrong with it every single time. Mm-hmm. I have, I've done books for several different mechanics over the years, and I will ask them any time that I'm even considering a car for a friend or whatever else, and they'll tell me, stay away from this, stay away from that. And well, which 90% ones? Come on, name of names. the things they say to stay away name from. Name names. Let's hear names. As far as the cars to stay away from? Um, yeah. Well, they've all, they've all said Saturns are terrible cars, aside from if you want to keep them on the road for minimal miles. So Saturns and um, what's the other one? Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> Sobs. They used to be good. Sobs are terrible cars. Really? Um, yeah. They've, they've all said that they're terrible. And when it comes to pickup trucks, Fords are a 50% mixed bag. They'll say that, you know, it depends on what model you get. depends on what year you get even. Even um, within Kia, it depends on when they switched engines over and transmissions over. There were some Kias that were really, really good and others mm-hmm. that are pieces of crap. And it all depends oh. on the year that they put in a specific mechanical feature. Um, so you just have to look for the right engine. Well, people can look at the engine. 
You yeah. do, you do. And, and if you have a mechanic who knows his stuff, he'll tell you what year to look for and, and the specifications. And usually, huh. sadly, the older the better. The more new stuff tends to be worse. That breaks mm-hmm. on it, motherboards go wrong. Um, I know that they've told me in the past to stay away from most of the Chevys when it comes to sedans. And mm-hmm. Fords, like the Ford Fiesta and the, the Ford, like I myself, my very first car was, a, I don't even think those are made anymore, but they're well, terrible cars. Mine was a 64 cars. bug. <laughs> they're really bad cars. Just to show yeah, how old well, I am. Yeah. Volkswagens, Volkswagens can be another car that you can drive until the wheels fall off as long as you take care of them. Now, that may, uh-huh. They're going to rust out, but you can still keep them on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun talking about cars. I want to do more of it. In fact, there's a local car person I've been trying to get on the air for a while um, because I'm noticing a trend with cars. Sports cars are coming back. And for, for a mm-hmm. while, you know, American cars were just crashingly boring. I actually, we actually have a creative car act. So if you go through our, our citizen bill mm-hmm. ideas at writeyourlaws.com, you will find the creative car act, which is the government has to get out of regulating absolutely everything about cars. The fuel standards, the, the aerodynamic mm-hmm. standards, you know, the, most of the safety equipment, which is a bunch of nonsense. Airbags should be optional. I'd never have them. You know, seatbelts, I like that. I really like seatbelts, right. you know. I fly upside down, okay? I like seatbelts. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really handy. I mean, I would even have a five-position seatbelt in the car. Well, cause you don't, well, I guess mm-hmm. the roll bar would work. Anyway, but the point is that cars are not, uh, car, the cars are not interesting. They're, they're just a few colors. They're all boring colors. You look at 1950s. Look at a look at mm-hmm. a 57 Chevy, all right? especially if it's like white and green or white and red. It's a real white and it's a real red. Yes. Okay. Yes. If you look at a car today, mm-hmm. white is kind of like, you know, creamy sedate, you know, and red is like it's maroon. Pearl. Yeah, it's pearl and maroon. You know, it's not white and red. Yes. Okay? Be proud exactly. of your car. No, it's not. But cars are boring. So you want to talk about a trend. So mm-hmm. the, the new Chargers and Challenges look really cool. Uh, what was they trying to bring back? Uh, some car I was just looking at recently. They're trying to uh, the Barracuda, trying to bring the uh, revamp back the Mustang. it. I know that they've revamped it. Mm-hmm. Well, now it looks like a like a weenie car. Remember the Mustang too, right? the Chickmobile. Mhm. Do you remember that? Or no? I do. Okay. No, yeah, I remember. So they they try they but the basic Mustang, you know, is is really nice car. Cause a little small for me. In fact, I, I got to sit my dream car, and I found it's too small for me also. I finally got to sit at a 1969 Pontiac Firebird, not the 67, but I didn't fit in the 69. Oh, wow. Couldn't believe it. I can't buy it. You know, so now I, have to, I need mm-hmm. a bigger car. I've upgraded to a GTO. You know, so uh, I'll go. find my dream car. It's got to be bigger. I need a bigger car. I'm a bigger guy. I need a bigger car. So, uh, yeah. But the well, and that's cars, just it. They're downsizing a lot of the, a lot of the cars are, are getting smaller. Um mm-hmm. I think uh, some of that might have to do with their whole idea of carbon footprints and emissions and all that, and they just think that smaller cars are better. Yeah, carbon's good for but, the environment. Yeah, uh, have we have, yeah, we, have you heard my, my dissertation on carbon? Yes, yes, and I agree. I agree. Yeah. No carbon, no life. You know, see, so idiots are trying to kill everybody. Exactly. Uh, I'll do it briefly for for the audience that hasn't heard it. Oh, here we go. Uh, Marco go in the Netherlands is my dream car. Uh, can never afford is a Lancia Delta HF. Integral Evolution 2. I have no idea what that is. Marco, you better put the uh, website. <laughs> I'll take a look. Yeah, and Piaki has a post on here, too, for election stuff. Post it to our Action Radio election page. That'd be good. But uh, cars are actually a metaphor. So if the cars are getting more interesting, that means that uh, uh, the car companies who have to be years ahead 
are thinking that Americans want more interesting cars, which means they think Trump's going to win the election. That's my that's my analysis. Right. Because if Biden wins the election, everybody's going to be miserable. Well, it's all going to be electric cars. And there's no reason to design good gas cars because Biden's going to kill the auto industry. So if they think Biden or Obama, well, who's still running, what do you think? Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. And in fact, that goes right in line with uh, another talking point that I actually wanted to get to about Michigan. Ooh, because do. Governor, Governor Wichmer, she signed a new energy bill. And in this energy bill, it's going to make Michigan one of the most rigid states for the Green Deal. He's essentially wanting utility companies to generate half of their energy through renewable sources by 2030. That's seven years Why? away. 60% Why? By, the, the, whole, the whole thing is she's saying, oh, you know, average Michigander will save an average of $145 a year on their utility bill. This is really good. Never mind the fact that, no, they won't. It's not going to save them anything because you're making everything more expensive. And even to, in afford a, to afford a car that she wants to push, for example, in line with Pete Buttigieg, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, the 2.0, <laughs> everything's going to be a $50,000 car. Mm-hmm. Nobody can afford a $50,000 electric Tesla in today's economy. And yet they want to push that as it's helping renew the world. And we all have to go to this. Well, the only person making money on this is Tesla. Or not Tesla himself, but Elon Musk and anybody else that's running electric vehicles, they're the mm-hmm. ones getting all of the money off of this. And they're profiting directly off of the backbone of Americans who are working their tails off trying to just make ends meet. What are we going to do? Are they going to outlaw normal gasoline vehicles by the year 2040 and say, if you drive one, we're pulling you over and you're never allowed to drive again, go, drive a, go get on an electric bus or a tram? Mm-hmm. What are they supposed so to do for the Trump. average person? Yeah, we need Trump to dismantle all yes, this because absolutely. the Republicans are incapable. But absolutely. You know, this, and, this is, and this is the thing that's, that's so critical is that Trump gets elected because I don't care if you disagree with him on issues, and I do. Although he's getting a lot better on COVID. He says no mm-hmm. money for colleges um, or, or schools that uh, have a mask or a vaccine mandate. So that's pretty good. But, um, but he's the only right. one with the balls, and I do mean that literally, to do what has to be done to dismantle all the stuff that Brandon. He's going to dismantle most of it the first day. He can write an executive order. Every right. executive order written since January uh, 20th, 2021 is hereby revoked. And he could cancel just that, that mm-hmm. one executive order would take out all of Brandon's executive orders. All of them. Mm-hmm. That's how easy it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got, I got Marco's car right here, the, the Lancia Delta HF Integral Evolution 2. Looks like a Jetta. Looks like a Volkswagen Jetta. Sorry, Marco. Looks right. like a Jetta. I, I was going to be on the sporty, <laughs> exotic, you know, fast car like That's your dream car? Dude, we got to upgrade your uh, your ambitions here. You know, I mean, I I shouldn't say that. I mean, I, I'd get a 1935 Bugatti if I could. But here's, but do you notice that? Ah, hey, listen. Now, why is it during the Depression we had some of the nicest cars ever made? How do you figure that? That's a good question. Probably <clears throat> people had to use American innovation in trying to come up with whatever they mm-hmm. thought would last. Obviously, we made much better use of things during the Depression as well. Mm-hmm. So what? So when American car companies were allowed to make cars based on the market, what people wanted from, say, 1955 exactly. to 1972, what I call the golden age of cars, those cars were fabulous. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the pollution controls came in, as soon, and those actually were good. The ones that took the crap out of the, the exhaust, those were a good thing. Taking out the sulfides and nitrites, those were a good right. thing. But they should have learned when to quit. And when to quit was not to go with right. the... Uh, 
the oh Marco says I guess you never saw the 700 horsepower version of this car. No, I haven't. But if you got 700, 700 horsepower and it looks like a Jetta, I would say go for it. Hello. <laughs> anyway, but but we've got to get it out of these people's heads that carbon's a bad thing. Yeah. Carbon's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now you know if I were doing exactly. the Trump thing, I would say look, I have Trump say look, folks, car, we're, we're a carbon-based life form. You know the same atoms that are in carbohydrates are also in hydrocarbons plus oxygen in your fuel. The same uh, same atoms. Carbon, mm-hmm. hydrogen, and oxygen. Same thing right. that powers your bread, powers your gasoline. Yeah. It's organic. It's the same yeah. stuff. And once we get that done, oh, Mark, right. Mark's got a YouTube for me. Uh, I'll, I'll copy this as we're talking here. I'm doing three shows at once. Can you tell? But, but car, don't you see cars as a metaphor for where we are as a society? I mean, they really are. What do you think? Totally agree. No, I completely agree. I think they're indicative of the American lifestyle as a whole anyway. Because we've always sought out the freedom to do as we choose. That's been kind of the mantra of America. And so the mm-hmm. fact that you can get whatever car that you want has always been kind of an indicator of your style. It's been an indicator mm-hmm. of your freedom. It's been an indicator of your status, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, hearing background noise. Who's that? Uh, uh, I'm in the car, actually. I'm, I'm driving, so you're hearing, you're hearing my brother on the phone. <laughs> Someone else. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. hey, brother. Can can you like type in or text or something? <laughs> Does he have to be on the phone now? Uh, You're on the air. Uh, well, if, yeah, I know. Um, can you possibly call back, please? <laughs> he's getting up. Sorry, we're on our well, way to a doctor appointment. So. Oh, I understand that, but I'm just saying he's gonna be podcast forever in this phone call. He may not want that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't. Sorry. All right. So, so Marco sent me a video, so I'll take a look at that after the show. Obviously, I'm still busy, too. Um, but, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we've talked enough about cars, but to take a look at the Creative Car Act. Tell me what you think. And then let's find a way to finance it. We need to finance new car companies. Do you remember? Well, let me just talk about a couple of brief things. DeLorean and Tucker, the two times where independents tried to, you know, bring a new car to the, the U.S. market. Do you remember us? DeLorean was actually something that I only know of from um, Back to the Future. Oh, you should look up John DeLorean. John DeLorean, uh, I think he's, no, it was Lee Iacocca that designed the Mustang. DeLorean designed the GTO. And so DeLorean was, was Pontiac, okay. basically. All the great Pontiac cars came from John DeLorean. That was, that was his branch of GM. He was an auto engineer. Lee Iacocca, uh, I think, was an engineer, too. His creation was the Ford Mustang, and then he went on to run Chrysler eventually. He was one that created the minivan which went on to become the SUV. Mm-hmm. But these are fascinating people, and it's really interesting that, that they were creative. Now, you look at a car now, name one new car that's exciting. Just pick any one. Standard available um, car. Take a, take a Chevy Malibu. Oh, the new Malibu? I haven't seen it. Does it look good? Bad. It's not terrible. Okay. Yeah, it's I want to go back to old cars. 40. So, so what's the attraction to older cars then? What is it about a 68 Malibu compared to a, you know, 2023 Malibu? Why do, why do people want the 68 Malibu? I would assume it's because of the classic draw, the better design. Um, obviously, it's not any more economical when it comes to gas engines or anything oh, no, like that. No, no, it's like for the economy. People like no. the old classic look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they might like the no computers? Think they might like the simplicity? Absolutely. You know, a you turn it on, it fires like up, simplicity. it sounds like a car, it drives like yeah. a car. Mm-hmm. You can look right. at the engine and replace right. things. Yeah. Okay. 
don't you don't you think that that's similar to the draw between certain people who like manual versus automatic transmission? No, I agree. I, I always want stick shift. Now, I was forced to. This is kind of funny you say this. Yeah. Uh, at a at a poorer moment in my life, just uh, not too long ago, actually, I was forced to pick up a car that had been in an accident. I was, you know, I needed another vehicle because I had to keep working. Uh, and it was it's a Chevy Impala. Has all the problems you talk about. 2009. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. It really does. Hope it can't hear me right now. I don't mm-hmm. want to do bad vibes. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I would never buy an American car again. And, I, and that was the first American car I'd had um, since I don't know. Dodge Coronet, 1970, was my car through college. Beautiful car. Right. The mechanics kind of ruined it. They uh, uh, they sabotaged it so they they want because they want me to buy a new car and they basically ruined my car. It's a long story. But anyway, but this Dodge Coronet went uh, I don't know a couple hundred thousand miles. 1970 It was great, mm-hmm. but it worked fine, and it had a hundred thousand miles when I bought it. Right. I drove another hundred thousand miles, you know, which is unusual for an American car in the 70s. But that is you know. Yeah, but I took care of it. Anyway, but, but the cars say they're boring. They, they're not, you know, except maybe the Chargers, yeah. Challengers, and the Barracudas, and maybe the Malibu. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Charger the charger was the car in the Dukes of Hazard, was it not? Wasn't that a Dodge Charger? Or was it a Challenger? No, it that was a Chris, That was a, uh, it was, yeah, it was a Dodge, it was a Dodge Charger, yeah. Dodge, that was back it was then. a it Dodge Charger. I was right person. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And everybody, you know, that's like an infamous car of of a memory that anybody that grew up in the 80s remembers the Dukes of Hazzard car as being the absolute, the bomb, the absolute shizzle. I mean, that car was what everybody dreamt of. You may remember the car. I remember the babe. You know, <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> oh, jeez, Daisy Duke. Oh, jeez. Every guy remembers Daisy Duke. <laughs> I remember Daisy Duke. We don't remember her name, but we, we definitely remember her. Blonde hair, brown eyes. What was her no, name? No, and then definitely. Yep, yep. Jessica Simpson, when she came out wearing Daisy Duke in the 90s, everybody was like, oh, look, it's Daisy Duke 2.0. Yeah, that's funny. But to certain cars, well, let's Mm -hmm. go way back. Let's go to Route 66. George Maharis and Martin Milner driving Corvette across the country. Or what what was the car? It was Hasselback after he did uh, Baywatch. Oh, um, Knight Rider. Um, Knight Rider. What was that car? The car was... Yeah. I think it was a Camaro. I, I, I remember Knight Rider. Okay. It's probably but you don't Camaro, see cars today. But the fact that that car was so, well, no, but that car was completely digitalized, too, and that was the American dream right there. It's the fact that you could have a talking car. That mm-hmm. was the coolest thing ever, way above and beyond anything that the Dukes of Hazzard could jump in through the window in. Yeah, because, exactly. But you know, now, was... nowadays, they're actually having talking cars. But uh, I want Marilyn Monroe. Yes, they are. So I don't, yes, I don't they want are. that English guy. <laughs> I, want, I want some chick. If I can be talked to by a machine, I want to change. Of course. You also like navigational. Um, you, you go for the, the friendly voice, I'm sure, over, please proceed with caution. Turn ahead. You're going to go for the pleasant female voice over the, the accent. I want a southern accent. That's like, I want a southern accent. Honey, a if you want to make accent? this turn, you, know, you better start slowing down now, honey, or you ain't going to make this turn. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what I want. I want a southern babe. Oh, man. Telling me which way the direction to go. She'll just, you yeah. know, every single time you make a wrong turn, she'll just say to you, well, bless your heart. You had the wrong yeah, way. You so. need to make a U-turn, sugar pie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, and, well, I'll tell you the, the next great market, if you can find a car company or an investor that wants to make a non-computerized car today mm-hmm. that just had mechanical stuff, linkages, you know, cables, uh, line, you know, hydraulic lines, things mm-hmm. like that. No computers at all. 
except maybe the radio. Mm-hmm. You could have like a satellite radio, uh, but nothing to do with actually running the car. To have a satellite radio. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it isn't connected to the ignition or anything like that. In other words, the car can't be shut down by government. So they shut down your radio. Whoopee. You exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. if you could have if you could have a no, non-computerized engine that was purely mechanical, mm-hmm. ran on spark plugs, fuel injection, but no computers. You know, I mean, uh, fuel injection. Uh, I think uh, the, the German Messerschmitts were some of the first fuel injected engines, and they were 1938. They didn't have computers, so we know it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and so, I do uh, think that yeah. there's something to say about that. I think that as we convert more and more to electric vehicles, there is a mm-hmm. ulterior motive there behind these manufacturers to do something just like that, to where the government can interfere with your engine and cut you. Um, the mm-hmm. same way that you know car dealerships have had devices installed in them that if you take a car, you don't make your payments, and they have to come repo them. They have a remote that they can actually activate to make that car not start. So it's oh, really? and it's got a GPS, and they can come find it, and they can tow it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I used to do books for a buy-here-pay-here car dealership, and that mm-hmm. was something that they were actually able to install under the hood. But this was years ago. So technology has come a long way since. I don't even know that it would be much of a device anymore, maybe a itty-bitty little microchip built in and installed right. to where you can just cut the engine. It cannot be started no matter what you do, unless you have a way to find the device and remove it, obviously. Mm-hmm. No more Repo Man? Well, that was a good film. No more Repo Man. <laughs> no more Repo Man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, the, the, and this is the problem where it, it gets to where they're so intrusive and so powerful and so controlling of your life. You know, what if you have, uh, you know, you want to pay a bill a week later than they say because you got a financial emergency or something. Right. You know, they just shut your car down. Mm-hmm. What if they're shutting your car down, you know, and you can't take your, you know, wife or husband uh, to the hospital? You know, because the ambulance is too slow. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, people are going to die because of that. They don't realize the consequences. They just think, oh, we're just uh, taking out the, uh, we're taking your engine so you pay your bill. Well, you don't have the right to do that. Right. You know, it still belongs to that person right. until they repossess it. That's right. Now, if they show up on your doorstep yep. with an order to repossess, and that's different. But you can't just shut off the car. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. And and I think that that same thing, I mean, that goes so full circle back to the IRS being given more authority, just like we talked about agents in the past being able to use force and um, coming against you and saying, well, you owe back taxes. Are they going to show up mm-hmm. at your door the very next day and say you're a day late? So because of mm-hmm. that, we're taking you to jail or we're going to kill you or, you know, what what kind of force are they going to exert for anybody that does have a family emergency, like you said? Mm-hmm. Or just late with a payment. See, you talked about auto payments earlier, exactly. and I actually like them yeah. because I balance I balance my my income and payments so that I know how much is going mm-hmm. out, I know how much is going in, I know how much mm-hmm. extra I have, so I know each month what I can do with it. And my problem was I would forget to to put the check in the mail, so to speak, and I got late fees. I don't right. get late fees anymore. So not only do I save money, you know, because I get that that five ten dollar you know reduction in my bill. But I also don't lose money because I don't have late mm-hmm. fees. So in many respects, you know, auto pay is good. However, the downside, like you said before, is that any company that has access to your account can take other money out. If you contract to do something, you know, they'll pay it when they want, not when you want. Yes. That's a problem. Well, and that's not the only downside. There's many people that don't have a stable income. Many people have payments that come to them. Like there's people that rely heavily on PayPal to deposit funds into their account. What happens when PayPal crashes? you don't get your money until they're back up and running. They cannot electronically deposit funds into your account if their software system is down. 
thereby, if they're three or four days late and you had automated payments set up during those three to four days to come out because you were relying on that income, now mm -hmm. you're late. Now you're going to be given an overdraft charge or an advance fee of some sort to tap into a line of credit or to tap into a credit card. Now you're going to pay exorbitant interest on it for those days that it happened. And, you know, they can sit there and be nice and say, well, because this was our fault, we'll try and refund any fees. But how many times do people forget to call and complain? Who's going yeah. to take the time to really dig into it and say, hey, PayPal, you owe me back this $35 overdraft fee? Many people aren't going to do that. Then don't get auto pay. Because, again, they're you not just, paying attention. don't get it. Yeah. Well, no, okay. it's yeah, they don't get it. That, that's what I'm saying is don't get auto pay. Take charge of your bills. Take a look at them. People will increase rates and fees, and there will be all kinds of hidden things in there if you're not being absolutely vigilant with your accounts all the time. I don't like auto pay, and I only do it for things that I absolutely feel certain it's okay to do it on. But aside from that, I will go online and pay a bill manually every month, but I will not mm -hmm. sign up for auto pay because I can't I, I stand I the, the risk ones. that it exposes me yeah, to. I mainly do the big ones just for that reason. Mm -hmm. But my health club? Exactly. <laughs> it's easy. Um, let's get a few more issues. Right, right, We've right. about 12 minutes left. Yeah. Hello? Uh, say that one more time. Sorry, I didn't. I said, let's, let's get a few more issues in. We only have about 12 minutes left. A few more issues? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What else so, you got? Um, I, I had that article that you sent me that I thought was kind of interesting about the the Brexit. I'm trying to remember offhand. I need to pull it up, but I'm driving. Um, mm -hmm. but you sent it to me this oh. morning, and I, I well, did I read through questions. it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't remember the Brexit article. Oh, as far as? Well, it had to do with the people involved. One of them had to do with the timing of Brexit. 2018, things were in work behind the scenes to try and get things rolling the way that they oh, are that's now. Oh, that's, that's the, the, uh, the, that's the censorship the article. Yeah, okay. So the censorship, it's turning out that the censorship uh, industrial complex got started in 2018 with this group that decided, basically back, let me see if we can read it, uh, back in Obama's day, actually started in 2017, yes. that uh, they wanted to make sure that they never lost an election again like 2016, and the way they did that was yes. to... Um, Rig, you know, rig all the, the social information. So this is from the, the Substack public. CTIL files number one, U.S. and U.K. military contractors created sweeping plan for global censorship in 2018. New document show. Whistleblower makes trove of new documents available to public and racket. I guess this is the public website here. Showing the birth of the censorship industrial complex in reaction to Brexit and Trump in 2016. So they, didn't, they couldn't stand Brexit because that started to break up the European Union, which, of course, never existed. They didn't like uh, the fact that Trump won because Hillary was supposed to win. And even if Jeb Bush ran, Hillary right. was still going to win because Jeb would have lost to Hillary, just like Romney lost to Obama and McCain lost to Obama because that's what Republicans are supposed to do. Then it says a whistleblower has come right. forward with an explosive new trove of documents. Uh, this group is called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, or CTIL, that officially began as a volunteer project. Yes. I'm sure they did of data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans. Oh, the deep state, right? But whose tactics over mm -hmm. time appear mm -hmm. to have been absorbed into multiple official projects, including those of the Department of Homeland Security. <clears throat> so let me, let me translate this into English for right. everybody in short form. So what happened was the censorship that, that happened because the defense, and I heard this, one American news reported this too, that the defense people and the intelligence people are really good at cybersecurity or hacking. Cyber, through cybersecurity, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they do. And so what they decided right. to do was change the narrative. And so anybody like us who was telling the truth, uh, would, they would set algorithms so that nobody heard our message. 
uh, and that the messages that were told lies, they would emphasize beyond all belief. The vaccine is safe and effective. Exactly. You know, Raymond Shaw right. is the kindest, gentlest, warmest human being I've ever met. Right. And then That's, shutting down things like ivermectin can save lives. Yeah. 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 That, that Raymond Shaw thing is from the Manchurian Candidate. But uh, you got to see the film, the original, not the Denzel Washington one. The, then that will make sense. You got to see it. Got to get you caught up, Bonnie. Anyway. I'm man. Okay. I tell you, I got a list of movies I need to watch, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I've got a bunch of them for you. But anyway, someone said uh, Netflix is either Pianki or, or someone had a Netflix comment here. Let me find it real quick. Oh, the, oh Pianki says the Obamas are deep into Netflix. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, geez. It, I'm not trying to be like the Obamas. <laughs> oh, I know. No, I understand. But anyway, but the whole idea of, the, of, of censorship. Now, now here's the, the ironic part is we have a bill that fixes that. Our bill ends big tech censorship. Mm-hmm. Because what it does right. is it takes it keeps their their immunity from liability for anything that anybody posts, anybody's account, and anything that they do as a result of a search. However, if big tech touches anybody's account, anybody's post, anybody's messenger, or any results of a search, in other words, to stack the search using algorithms to all the leftist stuff, if they do that, then they lose their immunity and anybody can sue them. Now, you would think that the national trial lawyers would be right. all over this, but they're not yet. That's why we're doing Citizen Legislation Day. But that's the answer. You open them up exactly. to lawsuits for touching anybody's account or message or post or if they touch the search engine results in any way beyond the, the raw number of hits, mm-hmm. they, don't, they lose their immunity. Well, that's how you solve that problem. Let the lawyers and the courts take care of the rest. Multi-billion dollar exactly. lawsuits that happen overnight. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what would happen in an election if that was put into place to where people could have everything at their fingertips that was accurately uh, mm-hmm. put out there about both candidates instead of shutting down one over the other, making it actually be a fair election? Well, there still might be uh, you know, what they're calling misinformation. I mean, candidates can still lie about each other. We're not, we're not scrubbing the Internet. We're not, we're not the truth seekers here. What we're saying is that the, the, the big tech cannot slant the message. They cannot create a narrative. They cannot right. close down people they don't well, like and, and emphasize people they do like. Right. That's what we're saying. And prime example, prime example of that is Amazon Prime recently shut down the documentary about Trump and the whole election, basically taking the conservative viewpoint on the collusion mm-hmm. that happened there and the false information that was spread, and they have shut it down and removed it so that people can't even see that. And this is mm-hmm. this is prime. I'm, obviously, Jeff Bezos is no conservative, mm-hmm. but still, when they're taking stuff like that off to censor it. It just right. removes truth from the public eye, and people will continue to believe the false narrative, and that has to be put an end to. It just has to. Well, if, only, if the only thing people hear, and this is the problem, if the only thing people hear is the false narrative, it becomes the real narrative. If that's the only thing they hear. Exactly. It's the only thing you ever heard about COVID, yeah. unless you're one of the rare people. Well, let's get into the, the article I found that I did the show on yesterday. There are several articles on the fact that children uh, at the age of five tested the 98% genius level and the adults, by the time they were, I think it was 30, tested a 2% genius level. So the right. entire school system, and it, and it starts when they go to school. The minute, so so <laughs> it's 95% genius at, uh, at 5, and by 10, it's only 30%. And then by mm-hmm. 18, it's only like 5%. And then by 30, it's like 2%. Right. We, so in other words, schools right. destroy creative thinking. a little bit about that. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, which, which is why... Things like homeschooling, I think, need to continue to grow. It, it's an ongoing trend of people getting kids out of the public system and into homeschooling. 
to get them mm-hmm. exposed and allowing for that creativity to be completely used in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, like you said last week when we talked about it, that you're not squelching a child's dreams of doing something like my daughter who wants to tag turtles. Okay, well, you're going to go to school and they're going to say, no, you're not going to tag turtles. We're going to teach you about basic science or whatever and um, not go any further than, than what you can do on your own. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's the idea behind homeschooling is you can delve into that topic. Where you can feed that creative thing. And, yeah, you want to draw pictures about it? Let's draw pictures about it. Let's talk about what it would be like. Let's watch some YouTube videos about people who have done this, that kind of thing. Yeah, the only time school is beneficial, and it was my case, it's kind of in the reverse way, because it was my parents were the ones that told me I couldn't do anything, that I was an idiot, that everybody right. else was smart except me. And so, actually, when I went to school, it was my Australian private school. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I didn't get to the mute button in time. Um, but they actually found opportunities in school. But it was a private school, not a public school. So if you get a really good private school, right. which at least you know, they were decent enough to send me to a decent uh, private school in Australia. But that opened me up to all kinds of things. So the right school, it can be a private school. Yeah. It can be a home school. But what it cannot be is a government school because a government school always has a political agenda. Right. So government schools are incapable of educating, exactly. only indoctrinating. Private schools where they have to offer a good right. product or parents aren't going to go there have to do a better job. Exactly. But, if we, but look at the show here. This show operates, you know, 99% on creativity, maybe 1% on, on uh, you know, judgment and criticism, mostly what we bring to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But this show is pure creativity. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what oh, we need more of. But... <laughs> well, one of I'm the articles. I'm going to have to... Um, I'm going to have to yeah. jettison and give my, my credentials here because I, I have got to go. Okay. Um, but it's been a good, good eye-opening experience, I think, for both of us. A whole list I should come back with of mechanics. I think that would be a fun thing to get into. Oh, you, you blanked out for a second there. What's a fun thing to get into? Oh, the list of cars that you should stay away from versus those that are actually Oh, yeah, good. I want to know. You, you can do a car report. Yeah. Another person isn't doing it. Yeah, let's Definitely. find out. Hey, listen, if it's a public if it's if it's a public company or they're offering a public product, they're fair game. I just don't get into into personal, yeah. private, individual things like that. But you know, if a car sucks, you can say right. it on the show. Yeah. If they come after us, fine, your car sucks. <laughs> I'm so not afraid. Make that's, it a better car. All right, Bonnie. Exactly. Credentials and get out of here. All right. All right. Well, you can find me on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WFRN.com. And you can also find my cookbooks at my website, www.bonnie-appetite.com or at Amazon.com. Sounds good. And hopefully my voice will be uh, All right. a whole lot better soon because tomorrow we're going we're gonna to try Rumble and see what that sounds like. And see, more importantly, we're going to see what it looks like. Oh, God, I've got to get a background. We'll have to get backgrounds. That's going to be exciting. I look forward yeah, to well, seeing it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I look forward to really seeing it. All right. Take care, Bonnie. Talk to you next week. Yes. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. 
Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. 
Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. And now a little West Coast sophistication for Action Radio. Where else can a progressive socialist trans actor, political activist, and candidate from San Francisco meet on the air with an anti-federalist, individual rights, free market citizen legislator in Florida? Agree or disagree? And we do. It's always fascinating. So join us now, please, for the Progressive Report with Bianca Von Krieg. Good morning. Really early morning for you out there. It's like, what, 7 o'clock? Jeez. How you doing? It's, it, I'm, I'm doing great, Greg. I had, it's still a little bit of a rough recovery from the surgery, but I'm coming along. Oh, sorry. It, oh, what's that? <laughs> oh, it's fine. Okay. Um, <clears throat> such as, such as uh, entertainment life there is cosmetic surgery. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and it's, uh, it's well, surgery's still surgery. here in the city by the bay. Oh. It only rains like, what, once every five years? <laughs> I was yeah. over the five-year drought. Yeah, people don't that's realize it, that's it for five years foggy. now. We're all set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's foggy in San Francisco, but it only rains uh, about spring, like once or twice a year, maybe. We only get good yeah. thunderstorms maybe once a year. It's like a really good thunderstorm night. Whereas in Florida, yeah, it's yeah. the golden age of global warming. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of funny that it's it's always foggy. It's always overcast, but it never rains. And people, unless you know the weather cycle of how the uh, the the low stratus layer actually works, doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, so yeah, we're heading into winter. I remember winter. Yeah, winter in San Francisco is like fifty-five degrees, and summer's like sixty-five degrees. It's it's the most amazing climate on the planet. Pretty pretty good. Mm. Yeah, never too hot, except it's, in May and, and October. Yeah, except between fog and, and, and we winter. have late summers out here too. Don't forget that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you call it Indian summer? Our summer or can like last well through? into November. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Well, no, it's really funny. One of the best times uh, is Columbus Day when the Blue Angels did the air show. Uh, and that, uh, yeah. We should talk about that. I don't know if we, if we talk about that. It, sometimes it's been controversial. And back in the old days, they used to fly between the buildings because they'd take a couple of days of practice and they go under the bridge and do all kinds of really weird stuff. And then they got restricted, and then there was a movement to, to keep the Blue Angels out of the city, which is really stupid. But it's one of the best. Well, you know, that's always been a personal dream of mine to do that. To, so, you know, I'm glad they got restricted. So, why should they have? Why should they be able to do something that I can't? <laughs> I'm going oh. to restrict them out of spite. Oh, okay, <laughs> so that, that's that's a very a very liberal point of view. Yeah, if, if I can't do it, they can't do it. Well, uh, I learned to fly a jet. I'm going to. You know, I, but I, I love I did you, work. but uh, where can you get one? That's the that's the big question. Unless well, you're uh, a former Star Trek cast member. Little-known piece of trivia, what? the guy who played Worf what? in Star Trek The Next Generation owns uh-huh. a Harrier jet. And um, <clears throat> I didn't think he had a Harrier. He must getting... have upgraded. Last I heard, he had a, uh, a P-80 Shooting Star, which is a Korean War vintage jet. So it was our first jet fighter. Maybe our second jet fighter. Straight yeah, wing, he must have, he must have, I think he must have upgraded. Um, he, Upgrades uh, a Harrier? He, 
a Harrier, one of those. And for those of you listening at home, that's that's one of those jets that lifts off and take, uh, it can fly vertically, like in that movie True Lies. That was a Harrier jet that they used. I yeah, believe. yeah, yeah. I know the Harrier. I've, I've studied him. I've seen him. It was originally a British airplane. It was made by the Hawker Aircraft Company. Yeah. And then the Marines took it over, and I've forgotten who, either North American or one of the other, or McDonnell Douglas actually upgraded it for for the Marines. It's an amazing airplane. It's mm-hmm. what they have, uh, you know, directed thrust, and they can the jet nozzles they can put them back or or straight down. Uh, it's an incredible yeah. airplane, but I didn't know civilians could own a Harrier. That's interesting. Yeah, and he, yeah, huh. apparently they can. And and I, the reason I found that out is when he was um, when he was making one of the movies. All right, they mm-hmm. made a few few movies. Um, <clears throat> they wouldn't let him fly the jet. The the insurance company wouldn't let him fly the <laughs> jet because it, it was it was too much of a risk that he would crash and die, and they, they you know they had to pay off on the movie production. Um, so. No, actually, I, I'm, uh, that that doesn't surprise me. When I was a, a flight instructor, um, I, I could not that I needed it or wanted it, but uh, you couldn't get life insurance. They were not insured flight instructors. Yeah, because figure we're all going to die. You know, and I happened to be really good at it. I was doing fine. I wasn't worried about it. It was da- more dangerous driving to the airport. Yeah, you know, actually, it's, it's, statistically, yeah. it's well shown that uh, air travel is far more safer than um, travel by car. Than driving so, to airports. Uh, yeah, than <laughs> yeah, driving exactly. to the airport. So yeah, um, so maybe but, sometimes the, uh, the the what the actuaries don't always have it right. Um, well, no, they 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 go for the profits. But it's kind of an interesting statement on freedom that uh, you know I think it's Michael Dorn is his name. Is that the guy that played War? Yeah, Michael Dorn. That's the name of the actor who played War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously he's got enough money to buy a jet, so you have to have several million dollars. Now, here's what's going yes. on. This, this may actually interest you. Uh, next year is going to be a great time to learn to fly because the FAA has something called a mosaic rule. And the FAA, here's, yeah. here's the government's doing something right. They're taking all these airplanes that were previously unavailable to, to American pilots, and they're opening up all these European airplanes. Now, the beauty of them is they're carbon fiber. They use regular car mm-hmm. gasoline. They've got these you know, Rotax engines that are amazingly efficient and easy to work. And because they're carbon fiber, they weigh less than half what your current plane weighs. These things are doing 200 miles an hour. You know, and yeah, so they're and, still and we're also seeing um, and, uh-huh. uh, our technological improvements, particularly with like AI, has enabled uh, these kind of these new these new taxi air taxi services that you're going to be seeing. They've already started oh, them in New York. Yeah, and uh, California is a great flying state. And, you know, aviation was huge when I was there. Yeah. So you think you can fly? <laughs> so you can you can take those Sorry. profits and, uh, and 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 get a, get a get a pilot's license? I wrote a book on it, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Oh wow, I did not know that. Um, I yeah. I just love flying. I I, I get a pilot's you license learn. just because I love to fly. Yeah, I, well, I you have. You call it Trans Air. No, I'm sorry, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's actually not bad. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is actually, there was there. that reminds me of a uh, uh, I think there was like Hustler Air or Penthouse Air, like uh, oh, uh, who is that guy Larry Flynn who started Hustler? He Flint. also had like a yep. a charter airline service that was um, the stewardesses were former or current Penthouse models or porn stars. Wow. Yeah, so it's good stuff. Um, well, and, uh, there, there used to be actually that along those lines, there used to be like a, a chain of coffee stations oh uh, i know there was one in fremont um and i think one in downtown um mm-hmm. san francisco where you know all the servers were women and they were only wearing bikinis 
And uh, there wasn't any, like, dining service or anything. It was all, like, you know, it was, like, those little, like, you know, photo kiosk-style oh, um, buildings. And people well, would come like by and get their coffee. And... Oh. What's that? It's like Hooters to a lesser extent. Oh, actually, greater extent. Yeah, it's like Hooters for coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hooters I, for coffee. I don't know what happened to that. It sounds like a, sounds like a special interest <laughs> like, group. Or Hooters for coffee. Oh, really? Okay, fine. No, I mean, Hooters. <laughs> it's a hysterical name for a company. But, you know. But there were, remember PSA Airlines? PSA was a, was a California-only airline. And so they didn't come under certain federal regulations because they were you know, intrastate. So the, the, the flight attendants, which were then called stewardesses, used to dress in hot pants and all kinds of stuff. It was like before Southwest was, was cool, you had PSA. And the airplanes all had big smiles on them. And <laughs> it was pretty wild. Yeah, airline. of course they did. But, yeah, I'd be yeah. happy to so the actual airplane, on that airline. They, they, they painted smiles on the airplane. Yeah, they actually did. Big smiles. Oh yeah, that I thought that was Southwest painted smiles on their, their planes. Mm, they too. might have later, but PSA did first. Anyway, Pacific uh. Southern they went out of business when they had a, a crash when one of their pilots you know landed on a, you know on a small airplane while they were both still in flight. It was an absolute tragedy. Well, he's probably staring at a stewardess. That's why. <laughs> no, actually killed everybody on both airplanes. So they lost over 100 people. Oh gosh, it's a rather well documented case. But uh, the problem is, well, they weren't looking. You know, I mean, the jet overtook the small airplane. The controller wasn't looking. You know, airplanes, you know, small planes, you should look behind it, but small airplanes don't have a place at a big airport. I'm sorry. You know, and I think they changed some of the regulations on that. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. but as far as flying goes, you should learn to fly. You'd have a blast. It is. It is. It's fun. Take a lesson. It's, it's fun. It's more here. It'll set you back about five grand. Well, no, it's that. Well, here's the thing, though. When these new airplanes come out, it's going to get a lot cheaper because, you know, they're, they're initially fairly expensive, but they're nothing to maintain. So flight school can. No, buy I, it. I was talking about the license. The license is about five grand with all the, you know, instructor time. Oh, more than that. No, you got to yeah. read the book. See, if you read the book, well, you'll, yeah, save, you'll save five I'll, grand. I'll, I'll, I will try and read your book. Maybe I'll get it okay. for Christmas this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the new copies are, are drastically inflated because there aren't that many of them left, and the used copies are probably uh, used because <laughs> then they cost almost nothing. So uh, still there. Complete guide to flight instruction. The information's not fly. used, so that's good. <laughs> no, well, the inf- if the information were used, the, 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 the flight safety record would be a whole lot better because they've still got the same problems. They're still training pilots the way they did you know, 30 years ago when I wrote it. So, yeah. Anyway, what's on your mind this week? Okay, what's on my mind? Well, um, we're going to have a slightly different format today. I'd like to talk about, <clears throat> and mm. for those of you who don't know, the CEO of Apple is a man named Tim Cook. He's a gay man, and he is a major donor to the Democratic Party. Um, the last donation he made was to the Hillary Fund in the amount of $236,000. Wow. <clears throat> and old Tim is your typical fair weather you know, Democrat, um, you know, picking and choosing which <laughs> which of our uh, precepts he likes and which ones he doesn't. And apparently, old Tim is cool with guns, particularly when okay. it comes to his stores. If you walk by any Apple store here in San Francisco, you'll notice one thing they all have in common. An SFPD officer stationed outside of their stores an armed really? SFPD officer, yes. Well, I mean, there are anyway. And that's done through a rent-a-cop program that SFPD offers, where you can huh. hire them for about, I think it was, last time I checked, it was about five years ago, so that's $1,000 a day. Wow. <clears throat> and that's one thing you won't see 
at any of the sort of traditional Android outlets like, you know, T-Mobile or uh, Verizon or, you know, AT&T. They don't have those. And the thing is that bothers me is that we tell people life is precious. Life is invaluable. It is priceless. But apparently to Tim, there is some combination of goods that you can take from one of his stores that warrants taking your life with a gun. I find that morally reprehensible. And I I personally um, been pushing on social media that people no longer patron the Apple stores here in San Francisco or anywhere for that matter. It's just it's a terrible product to begin with. But um, I don't know. It's running the radio show right now. <laughs> I've got an, I've got an <laughs> Oh, <idea>. gosh. <laughs> you know, I like uh, that. Well, we can help you out with Androids. But, um, okay. You know, the, the thing is, the idea that in a place like San Francisco, we're, we're in, in California, where they are so anti-gun, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid the individual carry, you know, a gun on the street. I do. But the idea that you can I carry hire a cop. Is hot. <laughs> yeah. I, but you can hire a cop to, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to come there and guard your merchandise and wares. And then if somebody attempts to take them, apparently you are authorized to take their lives. Well, let's let's think about that because usually they have. Uh, and I was federal law enforcement briefly, you know, after nine eleven. So I've got a little experience with this. There's there's levels of force that you can do, uh, and so it, you know, in other words, if someone's in self defense, police can take lives. Uh, in self defense yeah, of others, defense police is, can take is lives. It's a total different matter. Okay, but know? but also I mean, defense of others. So if someone walks into a store with a machete, defense of others, yeah. But you can see, take this lives. is this is why we have what's known as smash and grab robberies. In, right. in California, because they mm-hmm. don't use weapons, and they don't use weapons because they know the the police protocols are: if the guy's not armed, there's no hot pursuit. You know, if if it if it can't be done safely, um, <clears throat> if they're armed, and they, you know the guy knows they have a gun, and then they can do the hot pursuits through the streets and you know slamming you know side swiping cars and things like that. <clears throat> So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a dance that's done between you know the, the yeah, criminals no, and, and, but, and the law the enforcement is, here. Stealing still illegal. There's no reason for people to do it. You yeah, know, it, it is illegal. But okay. I think there's there there's a moral difference between stealing from a, a corporate store and a right. mom and pop store. You know, who's okay. struggling. And, and well, a, the and other a, and the a other corporate moral. store that has insurance. For these things right. too. But there's another moral equivalent. The mom and pop store can't afford the police officer. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's another great point, Greg. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm here to help. So should they be? Should they have their? Should they have their own gun? You know to, you know to defend themselves. I mean, yeah, they should. I think anybody should have a gun to defend themselves mm-hmm. um, from from personal well, injury or you know attempted at your, at your life. But, yeah, I got a moral dilemma for you. Let's talk about the big three, okay. life, liberty, and property. Okay, So we believe in life, liberty, and property. Now, yeah. if, you, 
if the argument is that you shouldn't stop somebody, you shouldn't be able to use deadly force or really much force at all against someone who's only stealing property. This is your, this is your argument, right? Especially from a, if it's from a wealthy company and it's, uh, you know, it's insured anyway. Well, the problem is that thefts increase costs for everybody. So everybody, every legitimate customer, honest customer, has to pay the additional cost of the theft to make up for that theft. That's taking their property. Um, that's the question not, is, is someone, not a lot of, there's, that, that's a faulty argument, but I'll let you finish it. Oh, no, that, that's only, that's only the opening salvo. It's going to get better. Um, oh, if someone were stealing your car, could you shoot them, you know, to stop them stealing your car? And the question is, at what point does property become proud of your life? If you yes, buy a that's, car. that's a great question. You, well, this is what I want to talk about with you. If you buy a car, you have to work for that car. You know, you have to pay yeah. money for that car. You have to pay yeah. every month. You might have to work years to pay up that car. That car represents yeah. part of your life. So it's not just property. It's actually part of yeah. your life. So if someone's stealing your car that you use to get to work, that you use to uh, take the kids to school, that you use for any number of, for recreation, for family vacations, someone takes your car. They're taking part of your life. And so my argument yeah. is defensive property, you can use deadly force because there's no reason ever for anybody to steal your car. Never. There's no reason to steal yeah, from the store. It, it definitely, that's there's where no the reason. waters get more muddied for sure. Right. And, and I would say, I think, you know, there's, there's a concept in law. I took a lot of law school classes at the behest uh-huh. of my family. And uh, there's a concept in law known as the reasonable man. And right. the reasonable man in that scenario I think would be inclined to use the gun as a show of force or, or, or threat, right? You know, you might fire off a couple of warning shots and saying, look, I got a gun, beat it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, but then it's like when, you know, if the guy calls your bluff or, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're on drugs, um, that, it, you know, being a dick addiction forces people to steal and they can't, you know, they can't, <laughs> You know, they can't comprehend what you're saying or it doesn't make any sense or they're not. Yeah, but it's hard to make that judgment when someone's stealing your stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah got it's John, hard to make that judgment. Got, yeah. We've got in the live chat, it's we've a, got John DeMonico, who's from the, who owns the Women's Firearm Academy. Uh, he says, use of force continuum would still apply to the cops guarding the stores. They won't use deadly force to stop property theft. They are, however, a visible deterrent. Granted that the elites can game the system to take advantage of that. Well, that's not what we talked about. Then he says, I disagree with using deadly force to defend property. I'm in favor of using any other level of force to stop the theft. Well, and that's that's a good point too. So, in other words, if you have yeah. another level of force, that's what, that's why know, I said how that many these, people... these are armed SFPD officers. Right. You know, it's, I think it's one. Is... They could well, be unarmed. You know, I mean, they yeah. could just have their baton and their. But then they wouldn't have a deterrent. Then they get laughed. Uh, it would still be a pretty serious deterrent. Yeah, I don't know. It would well, still be a pretty formal. It's it's not a rental cop, right? It's not. I mean, technically, they are rental cops. It's literally what they are in this case. Um, no, they're still SFPD. But, you know, they might get called away too. It's still SFPD. They they can call yeah. their they can call for backup directly. Um, you know, they don't have to go through uh, you know a, a, hmm. a station. You know, like like a third party would. You know, they you know uh-huh. they have to go through their own switchboard and things like that and their own dispatch. They can call yeah. for backup directly. They have better training. <clears throat> um, you know, they know how to take down people, you know, by hand as opposed to right. your average rent-a-cop, which is basically just a guy with a radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like a mall cop. Paul Blart, mall cop. Yeah. Like, but, you know, yeah. But if you, well, first of all, how many, how many uh, Apple stores have been robbed in San Francisco? 
You know, I don't know. Um, I, I, I haven't I heard of, 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 I don't think I've heard of anything happening there. Yeah. Um, so the cop, the, the armed cop outside does work. Uh, how many banks get robbed when they have an armed security guard unless the robbers take out the security guard first? Uh, so that's a thing. Well, nobody would rob but, a bank in their, in their right mind these days. You know, cause yeah, it's really kind of stupid. Keep, we're actually moving towards a very cashless society right now, and a lot of the yeah. banks keep you know, maybe like 30 grand yeah. on reserve or something. Like that. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point, too. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to the – I want to sort of wrestle this out a little bit. And, and, John, if you want to call in real quickly, feel free. Um, okay. But the whole – because he's a cop or he's an ex-cop, former cop, mm-hmm. retired cop. John, you'll tell me what I'm supposed Love to, to call you. to talk to him. Yeah, John, feel free. Oh, he's a regular. He's, he does our Friday gum report with uh, Candy Pettacard, who does the Black Mama Bear gun report. And John oh. does the Women's Firearm Academy gun report. So we're studying contrast <laughs> on this show. And uh, it's going to be really fun to go on Rumble, hopefully. We're going to try it uh, tomorrow and then uh, Friday as well. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I hope there's no technical. It's going to be great, yeah. We'll definitely talk about that before we're done. Um, but this concept of property that, uh, you know, the use of force to defend property, people think, well, it's only property. And I really don't believe that. That if that property re- represents your life or your work or your yeah, income, that's that's why we're ta- we're making the difference between a mom and a pop's mom and pop store and your and your personal property mm-hmm. as an individual and then property as as a as a corporate vendor, right? Like a Target or a mm-hmm. Best Buy, right? But, <clears throat> and I, I'm right now I'm thinking of that example of that that young guy mm-hmm. shot and killed defending a Home Depot in San Leandro a few months back. And that, that's another. I probably know that Home Depot. What happened? Let's see, let's talk no, about we that. talked about this, Greg. We remember I, we talked about yeah. it offline a little that's bit. Um, okay. But it was a store employee. Um, somebody was right. making, you know, make shoplifting from the store, mm-hmm. and this guy got involved. You know, mm-hmm. he made it his business, and it really, you know, the stores are very corporate stores are emphatic about this. You know, don't get involved. Just report it and. You know, let let the let the cops. Well, if that's the company policy, then then if you work there under that policy, then you have to accept that policy. Otherwise, you have to go work yeah. somewhere else. Well, this guy had a problem with that. This guy had like a more of a moral <clears throat> imperative, as it were. This guy tried to stop this person. This person had a gun on them. It was a woman, and right. the gun was discharged, and this man was you know later died of his injuries. Uh, oh, so the employee was not armed. It was the, it was the shoplifter who was armed. No, no, it was just no. like a regular guy with the you know the orange the orange apron, just you know helping people find pipes and hammers and things. Um, he took he it upon armed? himself to to what? Excuse me. Who was armed? I'm, I'm trying to who, just clarify that. Who, the the shoplifter. They happened to have a gun on them. They didn't brandish it initially when they were right. taking their things. I think it was again. It's more. It, it was meant to be a show of force, right? You know, it's like, right. hey, look, I got a gun. You know, I got a gun. You got no gun. You know, it's not worth it, pal. I'm taking the stuff when I'm leaving, and that's that. And yeah. this guy had a, had a problem with that. He, he went all Kyle Rittenhouse on the situation. Well, I wouldn't but, quite use uh, Kyle, like, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if it's not your stuff, it's not your problem, especially if you're a minimum wage slave, I mean, you know, don't, don't do it. My God. No, I agree. Listen, and, if, if, if I work I mean, in the business. Do you think they're going in the annals of retail history like this guy is like some great hero? Like, no, it's like it's just a very yeah. sad, sad, yeah. sad circumstance. Well, so now if I had a store, I'd probably have everybody carry. Yeah. 
And I would yeah, encourage it. I'd probably give them yeah, a bonus. That's, that's, that's the difference <laughs> between like the mom and pop store, right? Where it, where where it presents a significant, you know, threat to your net worth, to your individual net worth. Just like the example of you know your your personal car, it's mm-hmm. a significant example of your personal net worth. But right. <laughs> you know when it, when it's a corporate store and you're getting you know you know fuck you wages, you know, from, you know, from these people. No, I understand the and point you're risk- making. The only problem is, and Jonathan, yeah. I don't, I'll, I'll address him in just a second, but the problem is you create a two-tier justice system. So in other words, you have a certain standard, a legal standard for we small mom and pop stores. We already have a two-tier justice system, Greg. That's well, the whole that's point of do. the Democratic Party. <laughs> well, well, the Democratic Party is creating the two-tier. Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, there's certain yeah. topics we kind of stay away from just because. But, but this is something that we should, we should talk about. The, 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 yeah. the difference is you're making a distinction between the mom and pop store because they're small. They don't have the vast you know, financial reserves of a big store that it's not okay to steal property from a smaller store because that represents much more of their life and their work and their, uh, their, their income and their property. Whereas a large store, who Correct. cares? They just write it off. No big deal. I don't think he can make that in law. But let's bring John on. I don't think John's been on the Progressive Report before. So John is the, uh, the owner of the Women's Firearm Academy, one of our two great gun reporters who have joined us. Um, John, as a retired cop, where, would you, where do you stand on, on the uh, – is property actually part of your life? I think it is. Sure, but I still don't think you can defend it with deadly force. And the Home Depot example is pretty good. Those are the unintended consequences of stepping into somebody else's mess or even a mess over your right. – car stereo but i think there's a couple different problems though the the um apple store is a good example the cop out in front even though he's armed one he's a full-time cop whether you like it or not even even as his employment as a guard at that store he's still employed by the city and there's no chance of him ever being unarmed but if you use home depot as an example someone comes in to shoplift from the store they confront the person he pulls a gun and the cop is unarmed then the cops would expect them. So what are you right. paying for at that point? Yeah. The other problem, though, I think, is if you, if you differentiate between like mom and pop and corporate, uh, I'd use Walgreens as an example. So I, I, my understanding is Walgreens is pulled out of a lot of places in San Francisco because of the theft. Is that true? Hmm. That's correct. Yeah, that is so correct. If you well, look that's, at, that's what they're claiming. Yeah. Sure. But if you look at it in terms of those Walgreens being a corporate entity, employed probably hundreds of people in that community. And if you shut that store down, you're still disenfranchising those people. They can't get that employment anymore. So they're depending on it, whether the corporate is or not. That's an they can't shop point. there either. Um, that, that point has been you made know. in City Hall. Um, it, it's the, the point that they're actually more concerned about is it's, it's providing a, you know, a needed service to the community, not through employment so much, but in providing, you know, essentially, you know, medical, you know, medical assistance in the, in the form of drugs and, and ointments and things like that. Um, and, and it also helps uh, supplement what, what we call food deserts out here in San Francisco, where there's not like a Safeway or um, Whole Foods or whatever. Where do they have those? Around. Where, where are the food deserts? Like the Richmond's? Um, well, there was there was a major one ac- actually in the Hunters View Bay Point um, uh-huh. out there in um, what we call uh, East San Francisco, Lower East San Francisco. Yeah, Southeast Corner. Where a lot of a lot where a lot of the uh, bigger ships are maintained. A lot of shipyards there. It's very uh, very rough area. Dangerous. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, dangerous, high yeah. crime, high crime area, and. Um, <clears throat> 
and it, and it just really wasn't profitable for like, you know, like a Trader Joe's or a Safeway to set up shop there and, and operate. And um, so it's a problem because, you know, you know, San Francisco is trying to be like the, one of these modern 15 minute cities that, you know, Greg loves so much. And um, <clears throat> that's another show. And, yeah, that's another show. And uh, it, but I, I I actually do love that concept, and you know most Californians do. And uh, so it's Probably a problem to because you know, you're you're taking two Sorry. or three buses, yeah. and you know traveling maybe 45 minutes just to go to a Safeway and you know get your things and you know having to come back. So that that that's what we we call a food desert, and um, okay. and things like Walgreens were able to supplement things like that you know, for, to, to some degree for like, you know, juices and we used to have convenience stores. I was in the, in the Western edition and there was a convenience store every other corner, you know, for necessity. Well, yeah, they have those here too, but you know, they the Walgreens or CVS yeah. tends to be more cheaper, more, um, as a matter of fact, you know, if you shop, if you shop it right, you can actually get supermarket prices, you know, when, you know, when they have the various sales on and, circulars hmm. and things like that. But if so, you've got your retail, you've got, you're going to get higher prices because they can charge more because there's more scarcity. That's going to be a problem. Well, um, maybe for like the convenience store, but you have to remember that, you know, places like Walgreens and CVS have access, they're, they're corporate, you know, vendors and they have access to a huge, you know, vertically integrated supply chain system. Which can provide, you know, those products. Yeah, at a, it's at almost a, like much lower prices than your average, you know, bodega corner bodega. Yeah, but you're saying that because they can pay, they should pay, and that's an argument of a dispute. But we got to on here. I'm gonna go back to deadly force again. Uh, I don't want to give the impression that you have to use deadly force; that you do it for for trivial reasons. But like I say, if you know, in a, in a store, you know, it depends on the store. I mean, it depends on the circumstance. If, if someone's robbing you well, all the time, and, and you know, it's also you might want to uh, take going back to Walgreens, Greg. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. That uh, that 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 gentleman, I think his name was John, um, brought John's up. Here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we actually did ha- a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, an armed, you know, security guard at a Walgreens on on Market Street here in San Francisco shot and killed a shoplifter. Hmm. Who also happened to be transgender too, and um, why were they shoplifting? And why were they shoplifting? Why, why does anybody shoplift? Because they're afraid of, you know, that's being on the, money the street. Yeah. Well, see, and that's that's um, a question too, uh, because again, you know, you don't have to commit crimes. I mean, there's plenty of welfare, there's plenty of services, there's all kinds of things out there to help people. Charity. No, there, there, there's Army. actually when in San Francisco, there's really not. That's the problem. That's that's okay. the thing we're fighting well, for out here. Because yeah. the rents keep going up, mm-hmm. and you know, but the, but the the assistance does not, you know, there's maybe like two maybe maybe three hundred dollars in food stamps a month that you can get. That's what's called CalFresh out here, mm-hmm. and maybe another seven hundred dollars in county assistance. And even then, the mayor wants to drug test people <laughs> uh, regularly on top of, the, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. that's a that's but another here's show. Here's the question though. Well, um, let me. Here's a question for both of you, though. As far as your you know, average apartment is like over two thousand dollars, and that's assuming yeah. that they would even rent to somebody who's, you know, on government assistance. So, <clears throat> you know that that doesn't that math doesn't add up, Greg. It simply doesn't. And people aren't. You know, it's not like you know your 1950s you know mafia movies. You know, Goodfellas. 
where they're boosting mm-hmm. cigarette trucks because they can, not because, um, you know, they need to do these things. Um, you know, here the situation is well, reversed. They need to do these things to survive, to survive, not, if, not if, to if flourish, not to like, you know, buy a yacht or, you know, it's not your, it's not Miami Vice, you know, where they're moving in drugs and buying Lamborghinis and gold watches and things like that. They're doing these things to survive. Pure and simple. No, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, but there's still the, 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 that doesn't justify committing crimes because you're committing crimes against people that are also just trying to survive that might own a small store or even a large store. But but the the question is, at what point? Is no, that's force? again. It, yeah, well, that's, uh, it, it's important to really understand that these people okay. are targeting rich. You know, uh, uh, sometimes you hear in the news about the mom and pop getting you know knocked over because mm-hmm. essentially there's no Dior stores in Oakland. Okay, um, you know, but <clears throat> but you know, given the choice, they always go to the corporate store. They always go to the big corporate, you know, vendor like the Target or any, you know, one of those stores like that, over like you know, a mom and a pop store. They know that the courts know that the cops know that everybody knows that out here. So you know, they are making that distinction, and you know, these guys don't just get walk away with you know, these guys don't get like impunity too. If they get caught. I mean, yeah, the first time, you know, it's cashless bailout here. So, but, yeah, you know, if you're a problem. serial problem, you know, then, 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 then you do go to jail. Okay. So, you know, well, if, if you're consistently being caught, yeah, yeah, they're eventually, you know, going to lock you up for longer. Well, listen, I want to, I want to get back to the, the argument of force. I want to find out from John yeah. you know, what, why people were shoplifting because he's, I'm sure, arrested several. To me, it seems like these people are shoplifting to resell. It's not like they're doing it, or they just want free stuff. Yeah. It's not like they have to. It's that's how they, they get their money. They, they want free stuff, and they want That's how they get stuff. the money okay. from it. But that's not, that's they, not a legitimate they, income. Okay, that's, so at what point no, do you it's consider – All right, well, I want to ask John the same question. At what point do you consider property as part of somebody's life that they worked for, that they built, that they saved for, you know, that they spent time in, that they, they labored you know, however many hours to pay for? You know, so at some point, force is legitimate to stop theft of, of just property. And that's, that's the hard part. Like I say, you don't have to be deadly, you know, unless you're being threatened. I agree with that. That makes sense. So I'm kind of rephrasing the argument here a little bit. But the point is that at some point, the threat of force or the, or the or actual force should be a viable option if people are stealing your stuff. That's what I want to kind of define more. John, let me go back to you. You arrested shoplifters. No, Why are they doing it? Uh, 95% of it all is all drug-related. Oh, tell for me. the most part, they're usually either supporting a habit or trying to fix a habit, not fix a habit, but support the habit to buy drugs. Even in, so we use Montana as an example, 90 plus percent of all crime in Montana is drug related in one form or another. Hmm. That's the same way in California. It, you have a bit of a Pollyanna, Pollyanna look at, you know, crime in San Francisco. It's a little bit, you can't argue the altruistic motives of a small percentage of people. You can't tell me that a flash mob who goes in and runs over a store, they're all doing it because they want to make, they want to buy food. No, there are a lot of thugs in there, frankly. So yeah, there's some you thugs, can't argue, but you know, you can't, you can't, Montana argue, you can't a, argue the exception totally of Totally different scenario, John. No, Montana's a totally you different. Ta- you, people you're going to live on minimum wage in folks? Montana. No, I'm, you're going to tell talk. me that in Let's San Francisco, there's okay, no John. drug problem. These people aren't supporting a habit. That's just patently not true. Most of the crime in California is drug-related as well. And the fact that they're not feeding themselves because they're putting something in their arm or up their nose or in some other form of ingestion, 
is not because they're trying to get food on the table. That is a small percentage of crime. That's just a fact, statistically, across the board, anywhere in the country. Now, if you choose to go to a place like San Francisco and you can't afford to live there, that is a personal choice. You can't adjust everyone's entire lifestyle to accommodate the fact that you want to live in a certain location. That's not fair, and it's not what we're system, our system or our country's built on. Well, that's a slightly no, different argument. I understand it's a problem. To choosing to go, no, but you, go to San Francisco. but you're making the argument that you're making the argument they're stealing from a corporate entity, so it's okay. You're, you're totally discounting the trauma involved. Uh, I'm not well. saying it's okay. I'm so just saying any, it's, it's anybody not, who's it's not okay to use well, lethal force. Well, we've already established that. But you're saying yeah. that it's okay to that these people are putting food on the table, and that's why they're doing so. It's understandable. I'm not to saying it's, it's okay. So much as it's less, it is less wrong, less wrong. Go ahead. That's what. That's the yeah, argument I'm making is that it's less wrong. Yeah, I don't think you can have a less wrong when you're traumatizing someone else's life. That's just a basic infringement on someone else's life and their rights because it's less wrong because you have a, a justification in your head for that action. And that's part of the problem in our society today. And that's part of the problem when we go back to using force is people aren't, aren't willing to get their hands dirty. If someone comes and tries to steal my bicycle and I get in a fist fight with them, that's one thing. We have a yeah. problem now that someone comes and tries to steal a bicycle, the guy will pull a gun and shoot him. That's a whole separate issue. Yes. I think kind of what you were alluding to earlier is it's, it's – so when we talk about in classes, it's called the three-day rule. If in three days, if you are either dead or in prison, was the conflict you're about to step into worth it? There's not a whole lot of yeses there, and property crimes yeah. generally don't fall in that category. So I'm with you on that. It, it, as a general rule, if it's a property crime… Observe, report, and let it go. But if you have to defend it, I'm okay with using physical force, probably not deadly force, to do that. That sounds like a better yeah, definition. Yeah, I agree with that argument. That, the only, argument, the only thing I, I take ex, um, some exception to is that people, out, you know, people who are doing these things out here in San Francisco are on drugs, which is just not true. It, it, it is more desperation than drugs. I'm not saying that... These people are 100% clean and drug-free, but it, it, you know Montana and California are apples and oranges. You can. I worked in Southern California wage. for 20 years, so I, I understand the, the California dynamic. So my my Coastal wife California. is from Northern California. My wife is from Northern California, uh, the Bay Area, and I was from Southern California. So I understand the dynamics okay. there. And I think what's happened to San Francisco is a, an abomination across the board. Yeah. It breaks my wife's heart. Every time she looks at yeah, it. Yeah, us too. So I, I, I totally get the dynamic. What I'm saying, though, is if you take a good hard look, the vast majority of those people are feeding some sort of habit. And the, there's not – there may be a portion of that that are legitimately trying to put food on the table, but it's not as big a portion as everyone's making out to be. And it's still not a justification for infringing on someone else's life or rights and life and or committing that kind of trauma. So anybody who's been a victim of a violent crime knows that there's trauma involved in that. Regardless oh, yeah. Of the You're talking to somebody who's been a victim of a violent absolutely. crime. So regardless of that person's motives for committing the crime, you've still borderline destroyed a life or at least impacted that life for the rest of their time on the planet. Hmm. Um, somewhat, yeah. I mean uh, – <laughs> well, I don't expect you I, to agree. That's, that's, that's not the point of this. Yeah, um, I know. But, uh no, but these, okay. these are these are good questions, Greg. These are these are mm -hmm. these are good questions, and this is a you know an excellent discussion. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you know, I've, well, dude, I've been the victim you... of a violent crime a couple times. Oh, I'm it's, sorry. That's crazy. No, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it wasn't that violent. I mean, there's, there's, you know, violence is a, is a general term. Um, right. But, um, <clears throat> well, you know, I've been told ask... that I've been battered by, uh... by people here. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's incredibly terrifying in the moment. But uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, you know, one, uh, I'll, I'll give myself an indulgence here for a couple minutes. Sure. The one particular, I was, I was battered by other trans people with trans on trans violence. And I was extremely. Well, here, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a whole topic for us. I don't think we've ever touched there's, on there's that. There's a whole topic right there. And, yeah, tell me. And, uh, you know, it was at, it was at this uh, nightclub I was working at. Um, it was mm-hmm. specifically for trans people. So the, there's usually some cops there, like picking up on trans people anyway. So uh, they got there pretty quick, and you know, I was like, you know, I want the whole Megillah. You know, charge them. You know, book them. You know, get them on everything. And um, <clears throat> I'll I'll never forget what the guy said to me. He's like, look, we got them. It turns out they have some other warrants and wants, so they're not going anywhere. Give it three days. And if you still want to go, you know, the whole nine yards, we'll do it. Give it three days. Here's my number. Call oh, me in three days. And yeah, and I was like, and at first I was like, ugh. Like, you know, I'm, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, get this clown's badge number. And but I, but I, I, uh, I took him on just, I don't know. And so, and three days, it was a total. It was a much different circumstance. I, I began to see the other point of view more. And, um, you know, I, what was I, the didn't other point him, of view? I didn't let him off. Well, it's, it was, it, it's complicated, but, um, you know, the point is that, yeah, I mean, the point, the point is, is that I lived and my, my, you know, my bruise, all I had was bruises, no broken bones. Those are unpleasant, but I, you know, I'll get over it. You know, it's, there's, there's some proportionality. That's, that's why I don't believe in, in hate crimes. And and I was and I was going to insist on a hate crime component with the cop, and I said no, just just treat it as a normal assault in San Francisco, hmm. and do whatever you do normally. And that's what they did. And you know they just you know they did like uh, I think it was like 30 days. And they they did 15 in jail, and I felt fair. I felt you know well served. Okay. So. <clears throat> But the hate crime component would have made it a lot worse, like, you know, talking, you know, possibly years. And that's the kind of thing that makes the situation worse, right? Because at some point, the guy is in jail and he's thinking to himself, he goes from thinking, you know, to, you know what, I did this thing, I got to pay, I got to pay the piper to, you know, this fucking bitch ruined my life. And the minute I get out, I'm going to get them. Right, and I didn't want that. I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think the cop wanted that. That's why he told me, you know, give but it three days. This shouldn't be your days. standard of justice. Uh, retaliation shouldn't be how you you base, you know, whether you press charges or not. That's intimidation. That, well, that yeah, makes you a victim again. There, there's there's justice, and then there's revenge, and you know, there's, there's okay. a reason why the victim of the crime doesn't become, you know, doesn't get to be the prosecutor or the judge, you know. Oh yeah, and, that makes sense. I, and so, and the cop was right. And I told him that, you know, and to this hmm. day, I check in once in a while. He knows what I do. And I say, you know, I got to, you know, most of these cops, you know, they could use a good, 
taken down, but um, you were right about that. So I give you credit. Well, I wrote about, him a letter uh, and I, on, on my stationery, yeah. and I told him so. So he has that framed somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah. John, is that, that three-day rule is popping up again. So what's, what's going on? This is interesting. No, I, I think it's a pretty good guideline, right? That there's a lot of things you can let go that you don't have to carry as baggage as well. And, and okay. that's a perfect example. That's not something she's going to have to carry around for the rest of her life if she sends some guy to fit, you know, 15 years in prison for a fistfight. Hmm. So it, it's, it works both ways, but it's really more for you as a person to say, look, am I going to step into something stupid here and get hurt over car stereo or over whatever it happens to be at the time? Right. Right. Well, you, we have. You can, in, you can still in, report it. You can still observe. You can still make the report. And if the cops uh-huh. catch them, that's great because that's their job. But you didn't put yourself in harm's way to get it done. And that goes to the employees at Home Depot or wherever they happen to be. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be putting their hands on people. They should be just observing hey, go out, get the guy's license plate, get his car, call the cops, and let them handle it. Nobody would have had to get killed. Yeah. Well, let's, let's make a distinction between work, where the company is in charge of things, and home. So I think we, we have stand your ground laws in, in Florida. You don't have to retreat forever. You can use deadly force to defend your property uh, or, or defend yourself against, you know, harm. And so but maybe there's also the castle is. rule in California, too. So, <laughs> OK, so 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 John, what's going on with these two things? So stand your ground castle rule. At what point can uh, can someone protecting their their family on their own property use force to actually protect their own property? There's a distinction. So okay. stay in your ground, all, all that is is a duty not to retreat. What that okay. means is if you're in a location legally, you do not have to try and escape the problem and call the cops before you defend yourself. That's all that okay. does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can use any more force. It doesn't mean you can use any force at all. All it says is if you're at home, someone breaks into your house, you don't have a duty to run out the back door before you can defend yourself. That's okay. it. You I believe that's the castle now. role, though. Your house. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a it's either standard ground or the castle doctrine. There's a lot of different terms they use for it. But it's standard ground, thing. I believe, applies to the public, like if you're in a parking lot somewhere or something like that. Sure, and, and sometimes, but yeah, sometimes they use standard ground for their house as well. So it just depends on where you're at. Mm. So they're they're semi interchangeable, but there are some distinctions. So you're absolutely right. Uh, but when you look at it in terms of deadly force to defend property. As a general rule, you're not defending the property. You're defending yourself inside the property. So there still has to be a credible threat to your safety mm-hmm. before you should be using deadly force or even legally allowed to use deadly force to defend yourself. You're not using deadly force to defend your TV set. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That's the how about, how about uh, so what level of force uh, could people use? Because you want to have some intimidation there, and, you, and, and it, it has to be known that if force can be used – to defend personal property, hopefully that will make personal property safer. People won't have to go through losing everything. Because you lose your car, you lose your TV. Yeah, you've only lost property, but you might have worked, you know, a couple of years, a year for that TV, right. you know, three years for that car. That can't be given back to you. And so what, sure. I'm, what I'm equating, I'm saying that property is actually part of your life. So what I'm trying to find is a way to so say that it's not just property, but it actually is part of your life. And is there a way to use force? To defend property. But what if it has so I don't want value. somebody walking what out with it, my TV. Go ahead. What if it's materially, you know, not that valuable, but if it has incredible sentimental value to you? Well, that's the same problem. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. See, I, I own a gun. I, I mm-hmm. have, um, 
And uh, oh, that's interesting. My no, personal, yeah, my my personal, you know, regardless of what the law says, if I was even if I was in Florida or Texas, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't exercise my you know stand your ground rights. You know, if I can make my escape, you know, with my belongings, you don't have to exercise. I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, you I'm not going to like conf- you know escalate the situation or. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just because I I feel you know, you know, um, put out or whatever, um, like, I, but um, but you know it's one thing when you're in your house and there's no avenue of escape or like you know if you have like some uh, a loved one nearby, mm-hmm. and you you know and this per and then and then you take it a step further and like what if this person's on PCP or something like that, and um, you you don't want to see them you know. <laughs> have their life ended or severely, you know, changed over, you know, some bad decisions that they made personally. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it gets, it gets very complicated. Um, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't want to see my, you know, TV kicked in either. And, uh, um, no, I just think it's an interesting yeah. argument to raise because we don't want people, you know, shot over walking out with a TV. I understand that. Uh, and, or have a tragedy like happen in, in the, the Home Depot. But on the other hand, there has to be more, there has to be a, an increased level of things that we can do to take action against property crime. You know, whether it's sure. you know, in a company, I mean, what can a company do? You know, there I mean, is there's an a answer. case of, okay, what is it? There, there is an answer. So one, the law doesn't distinguish the value of the property based on your attachment to it. So whether it holds great sentimental value to you or not is irrelevant. It's just used as property. That's just the facts. But mm-hmm. the short answer to your question, without getting the, the nuances of you know California versus Montana versus Texas versus Florida, as a general rule, you are allowed to use non-deadly force to defend against the trespass and the theft of your property. Okay. If it's a threat to your life, then or great you know serious, it's either you know death or serious bodily injury is the generic term for it, then you can use deadly force or non-deadly force. Right, so deadly force and down, you just can't go from non-deadly to deadly if it's just a property crime. Does that make sense? sense. I'm going to throw a wrinkle at you, John. Um, Sure. What if, you know, non-deadly force, that usually means your fist, right? So, you know, it's great if you have non-deadly force at your disposal, like if you're a 300-pound, 6'5 man. But what if you're a 95-pound woman? And you don't have any <laughs> non-deadly force to use. <laughs> Pepper spray, stun gun. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. So well, you know, stun gun implies you know, <laughs> you know, you have to you have to engage, right? You know, you have to make contact, and um, and they don't always work so great. You know, even with the like the tasers, you know, there's there's been some issues, but um, you know, but and. You know, the maze, they can probably make a dodge at you before you can get it off. But, you know, what if you don't have that much non-deadly, non-deadly force to offer? <laughs> and all you no, have I, is I that agree. little gun in your purse. Right. So there, tools, are generally speaking, aren't deadly weapons. So if it's a baseball bat, if it's a baton, if it's a flashlight, if it's a whatever you happen to have in your hand, your water bottle – the people carry around those water bottles are made of you know, aluminum, and you hit the guy with it, that's not a deadly force object per se, mm-hmm. right? So there, you have a lot of tools that are disposable. 
when you get into like the size and weight disparity, especially men and women and things like that, women generally speaking have a lot more latitude than men as far as the levels of force can go because of the size disparity. So for me, I'm not the biggest guy out there. The guy who's 6'4", 240 pounds comes at me, I'm going to have to suck it up and fight. I ain't going to like it. It's going to suck, but I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> you put that same person, you put that same person in front of a 90 pound woman who's 65 years old, she's got a pretty good chance of pulling out a gun and put a bullet in that guy because he is a deadly weapon at that point. His fists, his ability outweigh her ability to actually mitigate the damage. Mm-hmm. So there's some nuances yeah. there when it goes into that. But let's say someone were to break into your house and you were in the kitchen and he tries to attack you in the kitchen. You had a rolling pin in your hand and you hit the guy in the head and you run off. That's not a deadly force encounter. That's still not a deadly weapon at that point. Does that make what sense? What if the person dies as a result of being if hit he with does, a rolling pin? If he dies as a result of that, that's on him. It's not on you. Okay. Well, yeah, so that, that's, that's the result to, of his conflict. So in other words, these crimes don't have to be committed. A reasonable, prudent person. Yeah. These are preventable oh, crimes, right? Well, we're talking the about a reasonable pre- person. Right. But what I was getting to is that these are all preventable. You don't have to shoplift. You don't have to break in. You don't have to steal. You don't have to drive off of somebody's car. None of these things have to be done. Therefore, it's always on the perpetrator. Um, you know, that's the cause of the problem. Otherwise, it w- wouldn't have that. Um, there's something else I was going to mention before we go here. But um, oh, I forgot it now. It's too bad. I'll think of it in a second when we're, we're, we're talking again. Pianca, do you have any other points? We had about three minutes. Oh, I was uh, sorry. I was listening to you. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll think of what I was No, I mean, this. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you made an excellent point, Greg. These are all preventable things. Yes, we can prevent it if we, you know, if we provide the social services. And we need to put more carrot back in the system. You mm-hmm. know, if a cop tells, you know, you know, some, uh, you know, an accountant or a lawyer, you know, hey, stop doing that or I'm going to lock you up. That's that's a formidable threat, right? <clears throat> if you tell some homeless guy on the street, stop doing that, or I'm going to lock you up, it's not much of a threat because we don't. Have, oh, they're already we on the street. We need to put more you know. carrot back in the system, right? We mm-hmm. need to give more people equity in their communities, and you know, you're going to. That's how we prevent these things. That and that's the thing. That's why we're having these discussions like wealth tax and you know, rich, you know, high income taxes, because all the wealth, all the carrots have been hoarded by a few people. That's what we call concentration of wealth. Mm-hmm. We no, I agree with you on the problem. I, do, I, I just disagree on the solution. Um, but this, this is what we talk. It's interesting. I remember what I was going to talk about. You remember the Stockton incident where they, they beat these guys up with broom handles or broomsticks? Guy was shoplifting. This is about three, four yes, months, maybe, me or five John. months ago. John, it doesn't matter. Well, let's start with Bianca. Yes. Do you remember that? It wasn't because Stockton's not that far from San no. Francisco. There no, was a I... shoplifting, and the employees, or I guess they were owners of the store, they didn't want to take it anymore. So they started beating this guy with a couple of broomsticks. And that's oh, no, that was it... actually in San Francisco. That oh, was San Francisco. A, that was the 7 Eleven. Yeah, that oh, was the 7 Eleven. And, you know, it's just, it was it's the same kind of thing. It's, well, it's not quite the same. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a corporate. Um, it's a corporate it's entity, franchise, but it, it's, franchise. it's a franchise. That's the thing. It's a, it, and so, you know, this, uh, the franchise owner could own, you know, dozens or even hundreds or maybe just a couple. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a different, that's a great question, Greg. Um, but I do recall. Non-deadly force prevented the crime. They're the owners of the store. Yeah. At least the owner was involved. 
Um, so I don't see, I don't have a problem with that. But I, but there's another there's another problem I have with that story, and this is something that every time I talk to you, I've actually I just did a I gave a lecture to somebody at SFPD about this. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to they need to stop participating in media sensationalism about these things, because mm-hmm. every cop will tell you, you know, don't challenge, you know, the assailant. You know, especially when it's a theft, you know, because they even if they even if you don't see a weapon, they might have one. There was a, mm-hmm. there was a case and there was a case earlier, um, and and the media makes matters like heroes, like you know, and they it really shouldn't be because um, and that particular story ended well, so to speak. Um, and there was another story about um, a woman, an Asian woman, being robbed. Um, it was a strong arm robbery, and um, she was very old. She was maybe like, you know, 60, 65, 75, something like that. And she fought the guy back, and he, you know, he kind of, um, he was able to, he was, she was able to fend him off long enough for the cops to get there and hmm. uh, and take care of the situation. And everybody, like, you know, it was all over the news here, local news. You know, she was like a hero old lady. But the thing is, if that guy had a weapon, and he was also, he was also unbalanced, too. They later found out the guy was, you know, pretty pretty far gone. Um, and it wasn't a hate crime. It was just, you know, a crime of opportunity, really. Um, but, uh, you know, this, they were parading. And, you know, the thing is, if that guy had a weapon, he probably would have used it, and she probably would have been dead by now. Mm-hmm. By now, and I think John yeah. will agree with me on that on all that. Well, let's find um, out. <clears throat> we're, we're technically over time, but uh, we I can hang on for a few more minutes. John. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's not worth losing your life over, right? Mm-hmm. Bad guys want one of three things: it, it's body, property, or life. If they want your property, just give it up. It's not worth dying over. Right. If they want your life or your body, that's a whole different scenario. Yeah. Like a rape. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Kidnapping, rape, murder, name it. That's that's something you're going to have to fight for your life, regardless of the outcome. But yeah. if it's you know your purse, there's nothing in your purse probably worth dying over. You know, and, and we've had more than one case where it's just been a purse grab, where the person holds onto their purse so tight they get drug through traffic and run over and killed by a car. Wow. Yeah. Well, and, want to and, find we, back. and we're starting yeah, to see some of that. Yeah. There was a there was a woman who was um, being carjacked um, over here. Um, I think it was in uh, uh, Atherton or something like that. It was like you know the hills of San Mateo County. She had <laughs> the guy had a gun, pointed the gun at her and said, <laughs> "You know, get out of your car. This is a, you know it's a carjacking. You know they just want your car." <laughs> And she started, she panicked and drove away. And the guy started to chase her. <laughs> and uh, eventually, you know, she was she was becoming so dangerous in her driving. The guy backed off. Um, and well, he hopped in the car with away, her. But, what? He you know, hopped in the she car was with her. By herself. All right. No, he no she he tried to get in the car. Right. Oh. He, he what happened was is that he cut her off came right. up in front of her um, and then got out of his car while she was like kind of stalled behind him, right. tapped on her window with the gun and said, get out, you know, and, 
And instead of getting out, she went hysterical. She, it was, the whole thing was recorded. She had like a camera. I think she might have been a Lyft driver or something like that. She had a camera yeah. going on. Yeah, uh-huh. and um, you can hear her scre- screaming, <laughs> throwing a hissy fit, and then driving off. And the guy mm-hmm. didn't even know what to do with himself. He's like, lady, I got a gun. This is a carjacking. We all know the rules. Get it. <laughs> He's kind of beside himself. And so he collected himself and then went, got in, went in his car and went to go chase her. And then she was so hysterical. She was driving all over the road, and uh, I guess the guy figured it wasn't worth it, and he backed off. So that's one that ended well. But, again, you know, that's not going to work a lot of the times. And the times it doesn't work, you don't get to hear from the victim because they're dead. Right. So, you know, remember that you know, when these things happen, you know, keep your wits about you, keep calm, and you know, most likely you're going to walk away from it, you know, unless you give the guy trouble. So um, <clears throat> that's what I've been, you know, talking to these cops about. It's like, you know, you can't enable <laughs> these kinds of things with the media when they come over. You know, you have to tell these reporters, you know, we're not going to work with you anymore if you continue to sensationalize these kind of, you know, vigilanteism. Um in the city because, you know, it's just a recipe for disaster. It really is. And sometimes it ends up well, and it's, you know, it makes a nice little story on the news, but, you know, the times that it doesn't, it's very bad. Hmm. So I think with that, we'll we'll wrap things up here. Yeah, thanks to both of you for for a very interesting discussion, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. So, John, thanks for joining us. No, can I ask one question? Sure. If you have one second. Do you do you work with cops often in San Francisco? Um, well, people call my office when they have problems, and um, yeah, I mean, occasionally I do talk to their public information officer who is trans as well. Okay, they do a horrible job of explaining themselves and educating the public, as a general rule across the board. But that scenario you just gave would be a perfect opportunity for them to play that video and say, yeah, it was successful, but here are all the things that could go wrong. Just to educate the public. Well, I, I completely agree. And we have a police chief who is basically hired because he was black. Gotcha. I mean, the guy's from Alabama, and he's <laughs> chief of police of San Francisco. I mean, the last guy we had was a man named um, oh, an Irish guy, um, Alex Fagan, and it was night and day between these guys. Um, there was maybe a couple of people between him and Alex Fagan. Um, Alex Fagan had to go because of his son, who was also a cop, and had a fist fight over a bag of fajitas. <laughs> wow! In, in the marina, which that's we not worth dying over. <laughs> yeah, they're Irish. It was hilarious. It was, the whole thing was really hilarious. You know, when you when you hear the whole story. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the cops are kind of blowing it out here because they they've got a ridiculous man who's running the department. Um, there's some ridiculous people running the city, really, that, that shouldn't be there, who, who would be otherwise unemployable in any other you know, comparable area of business or government. Mm-hmm. But they, they've got these jobs. I mean, the mayor of San Francisco makes over $300,000 a year. She's the highest paid mayor in the United States. <laughs> and she's an wow. article phone. Yeah. Know. Well, and it's, she's it's, the one who hires uh, police chiefs. Uh, idiots hire idiots. That's what happens. 
And well, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a, it's a city based on, you know, uh, principles from the left. And I think that's something we should talk more about. But it's interesting where you disagree with, with those principles being, you know, from the left. So it's, it's quite fascinating to see the differences. Let's well, get the latest news. You know, on, I'm, uh, I'm for right, affirmative action. Affirmative action, the, the ideal of affirmative action was you take two candidates mm-hmm. who are basically identical. And if one of them happens to be more from a disadvantaged background, that's the one you give it to. That's basically how you – it was intended to split the hair, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It wasn't intended to be the, like the go-to driving force, and that's what it's become for, for mm-hmm. things like this. And that's, no, I'm a white guy. I know what all I about affirmative action. <laughs> I've been a victim yeah. of it many times. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's why we're at where we're at. Um, and you know, this crazy. man, Bill Scott, is an utter buffoon from Alabama, and he should go back there. He came there by way of Los Angeles and – um, he really needs hmm. to go. So, well, let's yeah, get the latest we, we news on your. You know, do you have any campaign yeah, news? Anything the, uh, with Pelosi? The campaign anything, uh, is going. Yep. The campaign is going in full steam. I mean, everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the rank and file of San Francisco are essentially behind me, or you know, essentially behind Pelosi going away. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's great. Uh, please donate to the system, Bianca for San Francisco dot org. You know. Every $500 we get means we can train another 30 disadvantaged, you know, students in San Francisco in computer skills and um, office skills to help them, you know, become better citizens and mm-hmm. hopefully keep them out of a life of crime. Um, and uh, please support the show, too. You can find our, our stuff online, biancaforsanfrancisco.org. Or uh, just search Bianca Von Creek and you'll find my links, my LinkedIn, my Linktree, which is Bianca4SF, the number four. And we'll see you guys next time. And that's the new. Literally, we'll see you next time. <laughs> we're we're going to be on Rumble. That's the way it is because back. that's yeah. the way they want it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. But yeah. So we'll be Rumble next week. Actually, we'll be Rumble tomorrow. So uh, we'll all be visual. It's going to be exciting. Let's Rumble on Rumble. I love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bianca. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye now. John, thank you, too. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you Friday. Good. We have video. All right. We'll be, we're going to do video tomorrow. And uh, per, per your suggestion, uh, if it works tomorrow, I'm going to do it Friday. It's that simple. Awesome. Cool. We'll find out tomorrow. So I'm going to talk to CJ after good. the show. She's going to teach me how to run it and learn enough tomorrow. Then we'll just keep doing it because uh, the only reason I'll, I'll stick around uh, blog talk long enough to uh, download all my episodes, but I, I fear I have to do it individually, and that's five years worth of shows. So that's going to take a while. It might take me a couple months just to download all of them individually yeah. with show notes. Yeah, for sure. Well, they, they didn't give me an option. I, I wrote them. I said, hey, guys, you got a way that I can uh, just um, you know, do it all at once? Or you know, some people suggest I could send them a hard drive. They would just do it themselves. Said, no, they no cooperation whatsoever. So I don't feel I don't have any regrets about leaving, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'll keep my everything. membership. Beg your pardon? I should tell you everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, there's, a, there's a bunch of things I haven't got support for, but I really, but I, what I didn't know, and this is the, the reason I probably took so, so long to make this decision to go Rumble. I didn't know I could do on Rumble what I can do here. See, I always heard that it was just, you know, you, you schedule, you can do it's like a Zoom call, and, and you can schedule people, but there's no spontaneity, there's no comments, there's no, it's just what you schedule to do. And I don't want that. I want, I want to be able to bring in different reporters, have people come and go. I want it like my radio show. Well, then I find out that now, now they have this thing called StreamYard, and I can bring people on and, and kick them off and, and run it just like the radio show. 
Um, I just have to find out if I can do the audio clips. That's the next thing to do. And some of the other things that we do here, play my sarcastic pieces. Um, but I want to keep the show themes, but I'll probably have a visual. Everybody, every reporter is going to have their own visual. That's going to be a challenge. Uh, let's see if Wendy's right. a graphic artist to do that. So we're just going to build. It's going to take a little while, but we'll build up everything to, uh, I mean, this, this show wasn't built in a day. You know, I mean, for you listen to the very first show. Oh, boy. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Anyway, my voice is out. I'm going. Go ahead. Right. Last comment. Cool. No, that's it. Thanks, sir. Okay. We'll see you Friday. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, John. Okay. Like I said, my voice is pretty much running out. So we're going to try Rumble tomorrow. And I don't know exactly what time, but uh, the website is Action Radio Citizen Legislature. Uh, it's very easy to find. Then you can copy the link. Uh, Marco actually put the link out there. It's in the live chat, but that's going to disappear here in a few seconds. But, uh, yeah, just go to uh, Rumble and then put in, uh, you know, your search, Action Radio Citizen Legislature. Couldn't be easier. I use that name all the time. That's the one I use. That's the one that distinguishes us from everybody else. Got a couple more things to play for you guys, and then we will be back. <sighs> Maybe never. I don't know. It depends how it goes tomorrow. This might be the last show. And if it's the last show, it's been an interesting five years. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Joe Biden's Dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. 
This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 